from his studios in New York. It's time for Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, where sports meets life. Here's your host, Dan Tortora. Welcome here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. I'm just uh, sitting here in the studio singing the song, I Just Came to Say You're Welcome. So, from Moana, right? From The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, one of the greatest ever. I believe it's fair to say the most successful former wrestler in entertainment. I think that's fair to say. Do you guys know the song? Do you know the song, You're Welcome? I think you know the song. If you don't, your children do. And if your children do, then you do. That's how this works. Right? If your children are listening to a song, they're going to hear it. Or you're going to hear it, I should say. But you should know it. I would I would venture to say that you do. Good morning. Happy morning. Happy Friday. TGIF. Love it. Loving TGIF all the time. I really miss TGIF. Every time I say happy TGIF, I'm like, oh, TGIF. Boy Meets World. Full House. Family Matters. Step by Step. Dinosaurs. Perfect Strangers. <sighs> Back back when TV was at its best, folks. Back when TV was at its best. And by the way, that song, You're Welcome, that I'm singing in my head right now and, and here in the studio, this is what it sounds like. Come for the tides, the sun, the sky. Hey, it's okay, it's okay, you're welcome. One of the best songs out there, Moana. If you haven't seen the movie, go out and see it. I'm in the Disney spirit, so I am in the Disney spirit because my wife and I, uh, want her, her birthday, for those of you that listen in and know what's up, she turned 29 this year. Her birthday was yesterday, April 5th, and we will be going to Disney to celebrate her birthday. Walt Disney World, baby, we're doing it, so very excited. We celebrated her birthday all day yesterday, and then we're going to... Do a little Disney trip coming up here in just a little while, and I'm ecstatic about it. So I have Disney on the brain this morning for TGIF. A lot of other stuff on the brain as well. Let's get into the morning menu so I can tell you what's up with today. Here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. We like to start off the show by giving you our menu of topics. The morning menu, that is... Live now with the morning menu is Dan Tortora. The morning menu for today, April 6th, a Friday in 2018. Very happy to be here. If you haven't done your taxes yet, the time to do so is right now. You have today all the way to the 15th to get your taxes in. Let me make sure it's not a weekend because I think if it's a weekend, you get some extra time. Let's see what we got. Let's see what we have here. So, the 15th is a Sunday, so I believe that means that you have until the 16th, but just get your taxes in. You got to do it. So, if you haven't put your tax, if you haven't gotten your taxes in, the time to do so is now. So make sure that you get them in and don't waste a moment on making sure that your family has what they need and that you got what you need to move forward and do what you got to do. 
Happy morning to you. Very happy to say this morning. I have a couple people to mention on the show today. I hope one of the uh, one of the gentlemen is listening into the show because I told him I give him a shout out today, and I'm going to do that in just a second. But I want to give a shout out to the little dude they call Mason, and say that we're very happy that he got out of surgery okay, and that he is you know a little bit jarring for a little kid to come out of surgery. It's jarring for me when I've gone into surgery. I had my tonsils out and I woke up not knowing what the heck was going on. So. I just wanted to send some love and some appreciation to the man they call Mason, and uh, we appreciate that you got out of surgery okay. The same for my aunt as well, out of surgery and and doing well, so very excited to to have that be. So God bless to to everybody and to everyone who needs prayers. I believe that you know everybody could use a one or two. I don't think there's anybody that can't take one or two and uh, and appreciate. So. I want to send prayers out to whoever needs it this morning, and I just want to say thank God for for Mason and and for my uh, my Aunt Mary and for everybody that's out there that that needed it. You know, it really uh, it means a lot to know that people are okay and doing all right this morning. So God bless, God bless to uh, to everybody, and you know, God is great. We seem to focus on the negatives, this, that, and the other, but how about the positives when we know that that people are going through, you know, some tough times. You're going through some routine surgery or whatever it may be and coming out okay and here with us this morning. So shout out to Mason, shout out to Mary, and, and shout out to everybody else So that uh, that's going through whatever they're going through. I hope all is well and continues to be well for you. With that being said, it's time to get into what's going down on today's show. You know what we do on Friday. We start with the annoying moment of the week. I think I have a couple. I think I might have a few. The annoying moment of the week coming up in just a moment here. And after that, around 9.30 a.m. Eastern time, we'll get into significant sound bites. And we are hoping he's six hours ahead. So we're going to do our best to make this happen. At our at 9.30, our time will be 3.30 p.m. his time. We're going to try and get Trevor Cooney on from overseas. Trevor Cooney, as many of you know, one of the greatest shooters in Syracuse men's basketball history and one of the most underappreciated players, in my opinion, in Syracuse sports history as well. So we're looking at Trevor coming on in just a little bit, around 9.30 a.m. Eastern time. So we're going to do our best to get him on from overseas and then... After that, we will get into my one-on-one conversation with Michael Lasker. Michael Lasker very recently played offensive tackle for the Syracuse Orange, and Michael is going to rejoin me to discuss his time with Scott Schaefer, as well as, you know, with we're a week away from the spring preview. You know, the spring game that's now called the spring preview. We're a week away from that. So I figured with being exactly a week away, because it's going to be on Friday the 13th, that what better way to usher in what's coming up a week from today than to have some Syracuse football talk. So you know that Chris Slayton was on the show, defensive tackle of Syracuse, currently on the team, and that linebacker Andrew Armstrong was on the show as well. In just a little bit here, we will be featuring Michael Lasker, who will be joining the show, and him and I are going to discuss his time with Syracuse, his time with Scott Schaefer, Dino Babers, if he feels that the staffs were similar, different, whatever he could say about that. And we're going to get into his thoughts on the team. Does he think they're turning a corner? And just overall Syracuse talk and football in general is coming up. So if you're a Syracuse fan, if you like football, 
If you're anywhere in between, then the second hour of this show, you're going to want to sit with your coffee and morning biscuit or whatever you get. I like chocolate chip muffins. So chocolate chip muffins, sit and relax and listen in to Michael Asker in just a little bit here. So we're going to have some fun this morning, and I'm very excited to have Michael join the show and Trevor come back onto the show and so much more. So without further ado, it's time to do something fun that I get to do every single Friday, and that is the annoying moment of the week. I tell people all the time, listen, have good customer service, be a good person, or thousands of people might hear you on the radio. That's all I'm saying. Tortora proudly brings you... Is that for real? Are you kidding me? The annoying moment of the week. I, I really honest, I don't know how to respond to this. Presented by Carvel DeWitt. 4322 East Genesee Street. It's what happy tastes like. Do you have to be that crazy? I guess so. Alright, let's have some fun with this little... This little annoying moment of the week today. You know drivers are something that we have to talk about, right? Driving and being safe while you're driving. Well, here's the thing. I was driving yesterday, and the speed limit in the area that I was in was 30. The car in front of me was going a little bit slow. I'll admit I was going a little bit over 30. Not a lot, just a little bit. And I wanted to get around the car in front of me. So I see this car flying behind me, probably going about 50. Big SUV. So I get in the other lane. I get in the, I get in the, the lane and I'm, I'm moving around this car. And I see this other person's not slowing down, comes right up on my behind. And as he gets close enough, he's hoping I'm looking in my mirror. Young kid, probably like 17 years old. He's got his middle finger up. I get past the car that was next to me. I get in the other lane. As I'm getting in the other lane, he decides to drive up. Kid in the passenger seat's got the window down, trying to scream something at me. I'm not paying any attention. They swerve in front of me, slam on their brakes, so as to kill themselves, me, and everybody else on the road. And then they swerve back out after they've proven their point because me getting in front of them while they were going 50 was disrespectful to them, apparently. And then after that, it made only perfect sense to them to try and murder everybody because they were upset that somebody would be on the road besides them. And then they proceeded to swerve in and out of traffic and potentially cause three more accidents down the street with no directional. So that leads me to the discussion this morning. Safety. If I had a baby in the car, I'd want to get out of the car and kill those people. I would. I had my wife in the car, and it took everything inside of me to not respond to a middle finger. It took everything inside of me to not... Because the thing is, your instincts take over, right? And your fast and the furious takes over, and you go, okay, cool. I'm going to drive up next to this person and run them off the road because you're in your head, you're in a movie in your head. You're trying to prove a point. You can't do that. It's not safe. So you have to be peaceful. But imagine if I wasn't a peaceful person. Imagine if what they did flipping me off was personal to me. Slamming on the brakes was personal to me. Almost killing my wife and I, you know, is something that I couldn't let go. And I followed them to wherever they went. And I had a weapon. Or my weapons were my hands. 
And that's what my mother always said to me. She said, you are a peaceful man. You're a good kid. She said, a bully is not going to get one over on you. But there will come a day that that bully will meet another person that doesn't have the personal responsibility that you have. They can't put his hands at his sides. That doesn't have the calmness and the peace and the restraint. And that person is going to cross the wrong person and it's going to be a very bad moment. A lot of things can happen when you treat a stranger poorly. And it always... I marvel in that. That somebody could be so disrespectful, hurtful, angry, so as to potentially cost people lives that they don't even know. Not that it would be any better if they cost somebody's life that they do know. But it's food for thought. I got in front of a car safely that was going almost double the speed limit. They took it personally, got angry, cut me off, and hit their brakes. Didn't hit them all the way, thank Jesus, but hit them enough to make a point, and then right after they made that point, swerved back out. If I was not paying attention, my wife and I might not be here this morning. So is it the annoying moment of the week? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Because if I'm not a good driver, which I am, I could be dead this morning because of some young punk who wanted to be cool for four minutes in his brain, who proceeded to put people's lives in jeopardy up and down the road. If there had been ice or snow, I don't know what would have happened to him or to anybody else the way that he was driving. And it was a young kid who's barely started his life, who could have cost someone else their lives, or whose life could have been ended at 17. So, my annoying moment of the week? Be responsible. And if you want to kill yourself, go off to a private cliff somewhere and drive the car off. Don't do it on the road. With all of us. And I'm not saying go out and do that. I'm not saying go out and kill yourself. I'm being obviously facetious. I'm not being real. Okay. I'm saying. Don't put other people's lives in jeopardy. If you like to live dangerously. Go work on a movie set. Don't do it on a real road. Because. The kids that were on that road. With me. My wife. Myself. The elderly, parents, girlfriends, boyfriends, moms, dads, none of us were safe because of that one car. And by the grace of God, and I do give it up to God for this, I was paying attention. If I had looked down at my cell phone, looked over at my wife, I don't know what could have happened. But I'm thankful this morning that I don't. I'm not, I'm not there. I'm here. 
but it's about being safe and it's about caring about other people. And I can't imagine, I can't imagine somebody doing that. I really can't. I can't imagine going up to a stranger, flipping them off for doing nothing wrong, and then putting everybody's lives in jeopardy because I think that I'm funny and I'm cool and I got big mans. Obviously, if you're in a big SUV and you're flipping off strangers and cutting them off to prove a point, something on your body might be a little bit too tiny for you to really, I don't know, find. And maybe that affects your life. So, you know, but that's, I mean, if that, then go see a doctor and work on your appendages. But, I mean, it's safety first, people. I mean, that's that's what, that's what it, we got to be. I mean, it's like you got to care. This country, this world will never turn the corner back positive unless we care about each other. Unless we care about other people. And flipping somebody off is like the nastiest thing in the world. It takes a half of a millisecond to do it, but I just don't. Any time in my life that I ever have in 32 years, I feel automatically guilty to the point like where I want to just like kind of slap my hand and be like, knock it off. Like I can't, I'm like my grandmother. I, I don't, it's like the biggest sign of disrespect. It's like, if you do it, you should have your finger chopped off. Like it's just not, it's not okay secondarily, the second annoying moment of the week has to do with Darius Baisley. Okay. I know that fans are upset. I know you're upset. I know you're frustrated. I get it. Darius Baisley, McDonald's All-American, supposed to come to Syracuse, four-star, five-star, 10-star, 12-star, whatever you want to call him. Players like Derek Coleman. Oh my God. One and done. Syracuse is going to get this guy that Kentucky would have gotten. That Michigan State would have gotten. That this, that this, that, you know, the Duke could have gotten. But he's coming to Syracuse. Oh, and now he doesn't. He's going to the G League. And there's just been hateful rhetoric that's been put out there about this kid. Now, here's the thing. I'm going to go on both sides of the spectrum and tell you why Darius Baisley is annoying, and I'm going to tell you why people responding negatively are annoying, okay? I'm going to do the second one first. I'm going to Tarantino the thing. So, here is why people being hard on Darius Baisley are annoying. You can be upset as a fan. You can be frustrated as a fan. You can feel betrayed as a fan. But to personally attack this kid for making a decision on his life that he, that he thinks is best for him, irregardless if it's best for him for real or it's best for you or it's best for me, irregardless of all that, he made the decision. He's not coming to Syracuse. And guess what, folks? To all the Syracuse fans that are really pissed off at him, he was going to do this to anybody. If he thinks the G League is the best place for him, truly 100% in his heart and in his mind, if he feels in his heart of hearts, in his mind of minds, that this is the best place for him to go, he would have done this to Duke, he would have done this to Kentucky, he would have done this to Michigan State, he would have done this to Villanova, he would have done this to Georgetown, he would have done this, done this, done this, to anybody, whoever. So please understand that. Syracuse fans, he didn't do it to you. He did it to whoever he was verbally committed to and had signed on the dotted line to he he was gonna do it to whoever so it's not a personal attack at Syracuse right but I understand why fans are upset I understand and I'm gonna get to that in a second when you personally attack this kid that's not okay and where the right in the freedom of speech and social media social media was connected so that we could be social, 
Social media came about so that we could interact with each other. Social media became real so that it would bring people together. Not show you all the people that you can't stand in the world. Not make you think, oh my God, there's too many crazy people in this world. Or who is this about politics? Or you know what my mom always said to me? Don't talk politics and religion because it's always going to start a fight. What do they talk about on Twitter and Facebook every single day to the point where it's insane? Politics and religion. I don't feel like I talk religion on the show. I tell you, I believe in God. I'll say, God bless. I'm praying for you. I hope you have a great day. I have a strong faith. And then I always say, comma, believe in what you want to believe in. I'm going to come on my show and say things that are natural that come out of my mouth. I'm not going to hide that I pray. I'm not going to hide that I believe in God. I'm not going to hide that I believe that God woke me up this morning and gave me another gift and another day to go out there and do great things and have another opportunity at doing things right. I believe that. At the same time, if you believe in Allah or you believe in you know, God but not Jesus if you're Jewish and this, that, whatever you believe in, believe in it. If you believe in something that compels you to be good and that you believe is is higher than you, that you love and you respect and you appreciate and it causes you to be good in this world, then that's great. I think that believing in something bigger than us, it's just, I mean, it's real to me. I don't believe it all happens by chance. And then some of you do, and then that's that's your prerogative. And that's that's your thing, and that's okay. Because that's what you're going to believe. Social media was meant to bring people together. It wasn't meant to start fights. Yet it has. Because people are complex individuals. But I think about I think about it like this, right? I think of Twitter as a big ballroom. Most of us don't walk into a ballroom, ask people their opinions on something, and then scream at everybody, threaten everybody, and swear at everybody. Most of us don't walk into a room and say, what do you think about gun control? And then proceed to talk to 300 people and punch everybody in the face that disagrees with them. Most of us. But in this Twitter sphere, people are very different. And that is the confusion and the complexity of it all is that in social media, we don't act like humans. We act like barbarians. Some of us. Some of us. I love Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram because it helps me to expand my business to reach more people and to become something positive so I love that I love what I use it for but other people use it for other things so getting back to my point with Darius Baisley I understand that people are frustrated but don't attack the kid don't attack the kid don't threaten the kid don't yell at the kid Leave them alone. You have an opinion. You have an opinion, and so does he. But he is going to do what he feels is best for him. And that is it.
And fans, I understand you're upset, but no one cut your leg off. Nobody killed your baby. Nobody ran over your dog. So let's move on. On the other side of it, what Darius Baisley did to Syracuse was cold-blooded. It was cold-blooded. He not only committed to them, he signed on the dotted line. And this is what I think will affect people from reneging on their word and going back on things. If you sign with a school as a student-athlete, think about how much money costs. What's tuition at, what's tuition at Syracuse now? $77,000? Because it's ridiculous. $77,000 for a school that says they have no money to repair the dome. $77,000. Multiply that by four. $308,000 for tuition. Not books. Not room and board. As far as I know, $308,000. Okay? So how about we do this? $308,000, and that's that's eight semesters. So divided by eight. $38,500. Okay? If you sign with a school and you go back on your word and you back out of a signed contract, which by law you can get sued for, you have to pay the first semester. In Syracuse's case, Darius Baisley would have to pay the school $38,500. Well, he's only going to make $26,000 in the G League, so he couldn't even play in the G League and pay Syracuse enough. He'd still be short over twelve grand. But this is, this is the way for me to fix the situation. A kid who doesn't have to keep their word as a kid is not going to keep their word as an adult. Somebody who can go back on their decision after signing on the dotted line is not going to respect a contract in the future. So I would say, Darius, you can leave, but there are consequences to signing on the dotted line. There's consequences to giving your word. There's consequences for the actions that you take in life. So, because this school spent a year recruiting you, because they put a scholarship on you, and because they spent so much time on you and you were their guy, you penalized them for having you top on their board, and now they lost out on all these other guys that could have come to Syracuse that didn't get the attention that Syracuse gave to you. So, because you screwed them, because you hurt them, and you affected them potentially for years to come, you will pay the first semester to be at Syracuse. Be happy we're not asking you for the 77. Pay the thirty-eight fifty, pay the thirty-eight thousand five hundred. Give us that. We'll call it. We'll call it. We'll square away. Now you know there's a consequence for giving your word. You know there's a consequence for signing on the dotted line. You respect the sanctity of a contract, and now you can go play in the G League. But you're even with twenty-six thousand, you're going to make negative twelve thousand dollars this year. Next time, don't do that. I understand people change their mind. I understand. I know that that happens. But there has to be some type of penalty to a student-athlete for holding a school hostage and walking away. Without a penalty, young kids will not know the value, the sanctity of a contract. They will not know the value of a handshake. They will not have common decency and respect of the other party. And just as a school and a coach is meant to respect their players and their and the institution is meant to respect the players, the players must respect the institution and they must respect the coach. What they did, what he did, and other people have done over time to schools, irregardless of what you think of that school, is wrong. 
So in my opinion, if you want to stop an, a student athlete from screwing somebody over that gives their word and on top of that gives a signed contract document, then take the tuition, divide it by eight semesters, take the total tuition over four years, divide it by eight semesters, and guess what? Darius Baisley owes the school almost 40 grand, but he can go and do whatever he wants after that. Without consequences, the system will continue to be the hand in the cookie jar with no repercussions. If you put your hand in the cookie jar after you were told not to put your hand in the cookie jar and nothing happens when you put your hand in the cookie jar, then I'm going to go there and grab as many cookies as humanly possible. I'm not saying you can't change your mind. I'm saying 10 months of recruiting Darius Baisley turned into a wasted scholarship, wasted time, and a scramble by the staff to fill that need. And that, to me, fully understanding that Darius can make up his mind and do what he wants to do, and I'm not against him for any of that. I'm just stating and I'm stating an obvious fact with Darius, with anybody, with me. When you sign a contract, when you give your word, backing away from that without something that's happened. You sign a contract with somebody who turns out to be a scummy bag, you got to get rid of that, okay? When you know that you're working with an unsavory person, then you write your way out of it. You get out of it. You don't connect yourself with bad people. But in this situation, Syracuse was hoping to bring him in. He decided he didn't want to come to Syracuse. There's a repercussion. There should be a repercussion for what he did. Because this school spent way too much time and money and effort in going to see him and being around and this, that, and the other. And you got to think about that, okay? He said yes verbally. He said yes on paper. Backing out of that, it just goes to show you could say yes to Syracuse, and if you feel like you don't want to come here anymore, okay, see you later. Guess we'll have to just chalk it up to, I don't know, things happen. Anybody could do that to Syracuse. Now that they've seen Darius do it, they could do it to anybody. And does and do Syracuse fans and the Syracuse staff and the institution, would they like to see one recruit every year decide to just renege and go backward and erase their signature, try to white it out on a contract? I've dealt with numerous people who sign a contract and don't abide by it. There are repercussions. There are legal ramifications. And I think if we start punishing someone who holds a school hostage with their signed letter of intent, and we say, okay, just pay, just pay the, just pay the first semester tuition. That's it. I think we'd see a big change. I'll take a step aside here. We're going to get Trevor Cooney on from overseas in just a moment. This is a wake-up call, fast break. Carvel DeWitt, it's what happy tastes like. Do you know why? Because we make ice cream. Creamy, rich, flavorful ice cream. Not yogurt or ice milk like some of our competitors. Ice cream. Fresh, by hand, daily. For the calorie conscious, we have something new for you. Our new Carvelite. Same great flavor, creaminess, and texture of our regular ice cream with only 35 calories an ounce. So whether you want an ice cream cake, flying saucer, dasher, carvalanche, hard or soft ice cream, we will satisfy your craving with our fresh, handmade, regular, or new Carvelite ice cream. Carvel DeWitt. 
It's what happy tastes like. Clothing that will change with you without you having to change. DrySigLady.com, D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G, Lady.com. With the bamboo line, relaxed fit clothing, as well as the athletic fit clothing, DrySigLady.com is fit for any woman, any time of the day, anywhere. Whatever you're doing, whatever your day commands of you, command yourself to feel comfortable in DrySig Lady Apparel. D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G, Lady.com. For all the women out there, feel good in what you're wearing. And don't feel like you have to constantly change throughout the day. Whether you're a stay-at-home mom, a business owner, going for a jog, going for a meeting, or just relaxing at home, DrySigLady.com is the right fit for you. D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G, Lady.com. This is Lawrence Papaleo, licensed real estate salesperson for Gilbo Realty. Call our home office at 315-752-9513. Or better yet, call or text me directly at 315-748-2524. Let me ask you a question, Lawrence. If I needed you to help me buy a house, find the right place, could you help me do that? Joe, I'll help you find your dream home. You don't ever say my name on the radio, never. If I needed to sell a house, could you help me go about that the right way? Yes, yes I can. How do they get a hold of you? Call me directly at 315-748-2524. But you also do the commercial property. So if I got a business, couple businesses, got to take one here, move it over there, do this, do that. Are you going to help me buy and sell my commercial property also? Yes, sir. I like that. I like that. What's my name again? I have no idea. Absolutely. But they need to know your name. So give it one more time. This is Lawrence Papaleo, licensed real estate salesperson for Gilbo Realty. My phone number is 315-748-2524. Why don't you tell him your name one more time and that number so we can jot it down. This is Lawrence Papaleo. Call me or text me directly at 315-748-2524. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. Happy to be here with you every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. And uh, very happy to have this gentleman on the show. He is six hours in advance of us. So we're here at 9.37 a.m., which I believe is 3.37 p.m. for Trevor Cooney. And Trevor Cooney's back on the show. He is no stranger to the broadcast. Very happy for all the time that we had with him here at Syracuse. And we've obviously kept in touch with him over the years. And always appreciate him taking some time with us. And, uh, and for a, a good minute and a half during our fast break here on the show, Trevor and I were face-to-face. So, so Trevor, how are, we, how are we doing today? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. Happy, happy to be back on your show. And you're in Spain. I mean, you're, you're around you're, – I mean, you're, you're in familiar parts for my family and a bunch of my family that's still there. So, you know, bring me into that because i got to live vicariously through you. I've been invited by them to Spain – numerous times and i can only imagine that it's beautiful out there uh it is i mean i mean it just depends what which part of spain you go to um i am in uh the west coast so on the atlantic uh so the city i'm in is called Coruña, and it is uh the northwest coast um so it is it is a lot better weather than syracuse but um 
it's not as nice as the, the south of Spain. Um, so, I mean, it's right now it's in its 50s and, and raining a lot. Um, but hopefully towards the end of the month it picks back up into the 60s and, and different things. But it, it's definitely definitely better than snow, that's for sure. And Yeah, and I don't know if you know this, but I told my wife, I said, I am, I'm very confident that we will have snow this year in April and her birthday was yesterday, April 5th, and it snowed the morning of her birthday. So you're not missing anything here. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I remember my, my last year up there, it snowed, um, for a little bit the last weekend of April. Yeah. We've, um, we've gotten it all the way to mother's day which before, is, which is pretty wild. So you're enjoying some weather. You're yeah. out, in, you're out in Spain doing your thing. I know that you and I have spoken about your family and your, your family support wherever you go. Have they been out to Spain? Yes, my uh, my parents came out uh, around Thanksgiving time. They came out for two weeks, able to catch a couple games, um, which is awesome. And, and then my girlfriend was able to, to come out two times and, and catch some games and spend some time over here, which is cool. Um, it's always fun to um, get to experience things over here with them and, and have them over here. And how, I mean, the girlfriend, where is she living in the States and how difficult is, is that for, for you? I mean, you're out in Spain. Where is she at in, in over on America's side? <laughs> uh, she lives in, uh, in New York now. Um, she's working there. Um, but I mean, it's, it's tough, um, but we, we make it work. <laughs> I, I just say, I find it very, uh, you know, interesting. Just, just, I mean, you're out in Spain and the thing is you're, you're in a place where, and like you said, there's different parts of Spain, just like there's different parts everywhere. But you've gotten to experience a lot of stuff, and and you've been to Italy, you've been to Spain. That's where both of my, that's where my heritage is from on my mom and my dad's side. So I have to ask you what life has been like overseas for you playing ball, and and what Italy and Spain's experience have been like because those are, I mean, that's where that's where my family came from. So selfishly, I want to know how the experience was in those places. Uh, I, I've never been to Italy. I've never played Italy. Oh, I, I, I thought you were in Italy. In okay. Spain, Germany, okay. last year. Um, so I've only been to to those spots, but uh, most of my time has been in Spain, and it is it is nice. Um, I mean, obviously, like the city I'm in is is a pretty big city, so um, lots lots to do, lots of shops, lots of restaurants, um, and it is like it's a port city, so um, a lot of tourists come through from different parts of Europe. So there is a decent amount of English in the city, which is which is nice and, and comforting. Um, but it is it is fun. I mean, obviously you you wake up every day and you get to play basketball and and, and live the life over here. I mean, it has it has its times. Obviously, you miss home a lot, but um, at the end of the day, it, it, it's pretty fun to to play the game of basketball over here. Speaking here with Trevor Cooney, who is live with us from Spain right now, and, and my apologies. On Italy, I, I'd gotten that mixed up on your side, but to to be you know playing professional ball and and still have this dream alive for you, just what you could say you've experienced over there, what you've taken away from it, and and maybe how you've expanded or improved your game so far. Um, it's it's a lot. Um, it's it's a it's a way different game than than college. You have different players. Um, the games. I don't know. At times, it is. It's obviously more physical. It's way more physical over here than than it is in in college. Um, and it is sometimes there's, there's more spacing because you have bigger guys that can 
that can step out and, and shoot the ball. Um, but I mean, it just it just depends where you are. Um, I have a, I have a good coach here, and, and we run a good good offense. So it's fun fun to, to run sets with with different spacing and, and have the guys that are on my team now. Um, but it is it is a fun experience, and you, you learn a lot. You really do. Um, there's there's a lot to, to learn about the game of basketball, and, and you almost pick up new things every day over here. What are some of the things that you could say you've picked up from playing the game in Spain? Um, I guess just how how physical you can be in the game, um, and just how strong you need to be, and, and just different shots and, and finishing out the basket um, with different things. I guess I guess that's kind of what I've I've taken away this year. Now, we know that you are obviously uh, so much more than just a three-point shooter, yet when it comes to being a three-point shooter, you have brought a lot of positivity, a lot of happiness, a lot of cheering. Are you taking the deep shot out in Spain, and and are the fans responding as loudly as they did in the States? Um, I mean, I don't, I, don't, I don't know if anyone can compare it to the Syracuse fans in the Dome. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously I'm still playing my game and, and doing what I do. Um, so I mean, taking threes, but definitely just trying to expand and, and get in the lane and make plays and, and just try to be an overall, uh, guard, um, and not, and not just, uh, just a three point shooter. And when we look at that, you know, game expansion, uh, it's something that, you know, Jim Beheim talked about a lot with you, Trevor, is that. You know, we all knew that you could you could shoot the the deep shot, and and he said early on in your career that's not what's going to keep him out on the floor. It's like a lot of guys can can shoot shots and take shots. Anybody can take shots, but it's his defense that's going to keep him out there. I still think to this day that you haven't gotten your your due respect with you know what you did defensively, especially with the run that you guys made. You know, even toward the end of your career at Syracuse. So when you look at expanding your game and improving your game, there's a lot of things you were already doing. You were attacking the basket. You were, you know, making big time plays. You know, I'll never forget the play that you made in Chicago where you stayed in bounds and caught that ball that they said was out of bounds, but we all know it was in. So we, you know, I mean, we we've seen all of that, and we've seen, you know, you you getting your hand in the lane and your body in the lane and, and making big time plays with yourself and and Mike Benajay and whatnot. So. You know, there there is a lot to say uh, for what you did at Syracuse that can't just be overmasked by three point shooting. But on the uh, on the other side, like you said, being more physical and being in in Spain and playing overseas professionally, when when you're growing as a player, where can you say your biggest growth has been? If you had to kind of critique yourself and say where you feel you've improved the most since leaving Syracuse, um, I don't know. I mean. Yeah, obviously, offensively, you try and, I mean, obviously, known as a shooter, so I try and use that to my advantage, and I know I know players, and even over here, people are going to try and take that away, so I try and, and do other things as, as best as I can and, and try and help the team, um, but I mean, obviously, when you come from Syracuse, you, I mean, you play, you play 2-3 zone, so I mean, learning different things about man-to-man, I mean, all the places I've been, you play a different man-to-man. Every coach has different philosophies and different help sides, different ways that you force the ball. Um, so I think learning that stuff 
um, has been has been pretty cool for me. Um, just because you you go four or five years learning the zone and just how that's played, but I mean to to learn the man to man and the different things um, has been has been pretty cool, pretty interesting. Speaking here with Trevor Cooney, former Syracuse player and currently playing overseas in Spain. Trevor, did you, do you get a chance to pay attention to what's going on with? With the Syracuse Orange, you know, currently, did you follow this season at all? Uh, absolutely. I mean, um, as many games as I could watch, uh, I, I did. Um, if they played during the daytime back in the States, that was perfect timing for me over here at nighttime. Um, but night games at 3, 4 in the morning over here was sometimes pretty tough to, to watch when you got uh, practice in the morning. But no, I, I followed it, followed the, watching highlights in the morning and and doing what I could, but no, I mean it was it was a, a fun year to to watch them, and, and it was awesome to see them make a little run at the end. And and when we see this team, I mean, their their your team just a few years ago was was counted out, Trevor. You know, a, a team that mm-hmm. you and I joked about that I was the only person in, from the seven hundred and whatever ACC people that thought you guys were going to be good that year, and it got laughed off in the beginning of the year, and then by the end of the year, you're sitting in the Final Four. Well, that team was told that they didn't have enough. I thought you guys did. I thought that the talent that you had on that team and the depth that you had and the leadership that you had from guys like you and Mike was going to be enough. On this year's team, they had even less. They had five and a half to six guys. And I say five and a half because Barama wasn't at full go. Matt Moyer didn't play that much. Howard Washington Jr. didn't play that much. Matt got injured. Howard got injured. And they had to lean on... Tyus, obviously, Frank Howard, O'Shea Brissett coming in as a freshman. Marek Dolajai had to move into the starting group, and Pascal was there at center to start. So when you look at this year's team and their story, from what you did see, how amazing was this run in your opinion? I, I thought it was it was it was amazing. I think it was it was more than our group. Um, I mean, our, our group kind of came in, and you could maybe see us being pretty good and, and we started the, the year off really well we won in Bahamas we beat ranked teams then we were ranked for a little bit and then fell off but I mean uh, this team this team you didn't really think much um, I mean obviously you had you had some injuries and, and different things um, but this group just hung tough I mean with those those core guys that they had they they played a lot of minutes and they played really tough and just looking back at it now I mean you got to appreciate what those guys were able to do um, just playing five, six guys at a time, really, um, to go into NCAA, be one of the last teams, play a playing game, win that, and then get to the Sweet 16. I think that's pretty special. Yeah, and when we look back on your history, I mean, you you obviously know what it's like to be on a team that was able to get far. You played in 37 games in your final season, and Syracuse this season made it to 37 games as well and had an opportunity. Mm-hmm. You know, you know what it was like to get to the Final Four and be in that arena and in that place. This team didn't get to the Final Four. They got to the Sweet 16. But for a lot of people out there, and as the guys even said, they said, you know, we know people in our fan base turned their backs on us and didn't think that we were going to even get in the tournament. Did you ever feel that way at all? Did you ever have moments where you felt like even the fan base maybe was was questioning where you were at and, and you came through and, and turned around and looked at them and said, hey, guys, you know, we didn't, we're not going anywhere. We're going to make this work. Um, yeah, I mean, that's what makes Syracuse so special. Um, there's a lot of people in that area um, that that really, really, really care about Syracuse basketball. And, I mean, that's what makes it 
so special. I mean, you have all the fans that come to the game, but I mean, with that, with that love and and caring for the team, you're gonna if you don't play well, obviously those fans are not going to be happy. It's just, I mean, it's just the nature nature of sports. Um, and I mean, when you when you're losing games and it doesn't look like you're going to make the tournament, I mean, if you're a fan of that team, I mean, obviously you're not going to be happy. Um, so I mean. Towards the end of the year, when we lost those those last couple of games, I mean, yeah, I mean, it was it was really tough. Um, when you're playing well up at Syracuse and you're winning games, I don't I don't think there's a better place to be, because um, just because of the, of the fans and and when you're not winning games, I mean, it's not fun to be anywhere, um, especially when you have a following like Syracuse. Um, so when when we weren't playing well towards the end of the year, I mean, it was it was tough. Um, not only you're not winning games, but the people that, that are supporting you, I mean, they, they, they want to see you play well. They want to see you win. And um, when you don't, they're not going to be happy. Um, so, I mean, it, de- it definitely makes it a little bit tougher. Um, but, I mean, when we're able to, to make that run, I mean, people were, people were, were with us and, and happy for us. We look at, you know, the guys that, that you were with in your final season. Mike Benajay is out there doing his thing, working hard. Malachi was on the West Coast, then came over to the east side of things and trying to, trying to get things going. Tyler Lydon had to deal with some injury, but he's working hard. Roby's playing in the in the G League. Daywan is trying to have a comeback here. Just what you could say about some of your former teammates, because you guys may be overseas, might be G League, might be somewhere on a roster somewhere, might be in Daywan's case where he's just not giving up at all and he's not letting his body tell him what he's going to do. He's trying to overcome a lot of things that he's had to deal with. Just what you can say about the fight of the team that you had. And, and you know, I really want to key in, too, on, on Tyler Roberson because I, I don't feel like he got – much of any respect at all and I mean that kid fights pretty damn hard uh yeah I mean with uh, I mean obviously we have we have a lot of guys playing pro pro basketball which is which is tough to do so I mean that team was was I mean had good players on on the team so I mean it's not like we're looking back now and and saying how did this team do that I mean we have guys still playing and and I mean that team was really good um we fell off towards the end of the year a little bit but um Overall, I mean, the, the team had players, and when you have players, it's, it's I mean, you're, you're able to, to win games. Um, but, I mean, the, the fight of the team, I mean, obviously, if you look at the personality of the guys that we had, um, I mean, you could you can see why now that we're able to, to do that. I mean, we have guys that have battled different things and different injuries and, and just come out and play hard. Speaking here with Trevor Cooney from Spain right now, live on Wake Up Call with Dan Satora. Shout out to my family out there in Spain. If 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 you ever bump into him, Trevor, you will notice them by being really really nice people that probably make amazing food. So if you have you had good food over in Spain so far? I've had amazing food over here. What what's I've some of the stuff you've had? Food. Um, since this city's on the coast, it's it's kind of known for seafood. So we've had um. I've had really good seafood pasta and seafood rice, and and the fish is really good. Um, so I've been able to to try some of that stuff. Are you speaking the Spanish language? Have you, have you become bilingual or no? <laughs> I'm trying. <laughs> uh, it's really tough uh, to to learn a language and especially just pick it up on the fly. No. Um, but I'm trying. I can understand some things, especially if you're if you're talking basketball. I can I can understand some stuff. Now on on the team itself, because because you know there's a common misconception of if there's a team in Spain, it's all Spanish players. If there's a team in Italy, it's all Italian players. I mean, there's people that come from all over the world. So, what can you say about your team makeup and 
and how you guys interact and, and just how you make it work. Like you said, when it comes to basketball, you can understand. And it seems like basketball is one of those things that is a universal language. Even for Marek Dolajai coming from Slovakia, it, it took him some time. And his English has gotten better, in my opinion, from when I interviewed him day one to when I interviewed him in the Sweet 16. But, you know, there, there's obviously a learning curve. So what can you say about the dynamic of your team out in Spain? Uh, yeah, so in Spain, you're allowed to have two Americans. So we have me and then another kid from Chicago area. And then you're allowed to have a certain number of imports from all of Europe. You, you can. And then you have to have a certain number of Spanish players. So we have we have two Americans, and then we have, um, we have a guy from England and a guy from Denmark. Um, and then the rest of the team, the rest of eight or nine players are from Spain. Um, but I mean, every, everyone in the locker room speaks, speaks pretty good English. Um, the coach, uh, where's he from? Uh, I forget where he's from, but he speaks mostly Spanish. So, and then we do have one coach that, that kind of translates everything for, for the guys that, um, don't know Spanish that well. Um, so, I mean, it, it is, but like basketball has definitely has its own language and, um, once you're on the court, and even if it's in Spanish, um, able to to pick up on what's going on and and kind of kind of the gist of things. Before I let you go here, speaking with Trevor Cooney off in Spain, Trevor, when when you're looking at you know everything that that you've gotten to do in your life and and in your career, just what you can say because I you know this show is is always working. I mean, the name itself, Wake Up Call is is working to be more than a sports show and to be a place where people can tell their stories and tell them freely and openly and, and without judgment and then hopefully impart some knowledge on somebody else who's trying to live their own dreams. What can you say about your journey and to the people listening that are trying to be at basketball or whatever, trying to achieve their dreams and, and there's going to be adversity. What could you say to those people? Um, Just to keep working. I mean, that's that's all I do, and and my teammates and, and guys that I've run to over here that are from the, the states. I mean, obviously, it's tough to be away from your family and friends uh, for so long. But um, especially with the game of basketball, you only get a certain window period where you're able to, to play and, and play at a good level. Um, so you have to take advantage of it, um, and that's kind of what what I'm doing here. Um, just taking advantage of of the opportunity um, that I have and, and able to, to play the game that I love and the game that I've loved for so long. So, I mean, it is fun. It's tough at times, but at the end of the day, uh, you're definitely going to look back and, and be proud of, of playing over here and playing professionally. And there's this guy, Frank Howard, that you had on the team in, in 2015-16 season who wasn't asked to be much offensively. There was obviously – a lot of uh, offensive power out there. So he took some jump shots here and there in Chicago. I remember that one of the jump shots went up and everybody kind of was like, huh? and then the shot went in and I was like, yeah, back off the guy a little bit, but he has worked very, very diligently on his game, on his shot. And in the first two seasons, you had him for the first one. He wasn't asked to do much offensively this year. He was asked to take his last two years and, times that by eight and be a guy who is going to be effective all around on both sides of the court. And he answered that call and came off with some pretty good numbers. What can you say about what you knew about Frank Howard in the beginning? If you saw this in him and just kind of where he's at right now. 
Yeah, I mean, I definitely saw it in him. Uh, Frank's a tough kid. Um, he, he works really hard, and, and he cares about the game. Um, and, uh, I mean, there wasn't many practices. I mean, the kid the kid works his ass off. Um, and he, you knew it was all going to click for him when, when it did. Um, so I'm able, I'm really happy that he was able to, to get the opportunity that he was this year and took full advantage of it. Um, I mean, he was a guy that, that wasn't going to come out. He, he was one of the older guards. Um, so a lot was going to fall on him. And it, it was good to, to see him take advantage of that and, and make things happen. Um, because he, he works hard and, and he's going to get a lot better. And I, I know he's going to have even a better year next year because of it. You had experience of, you know, being connected to the NBA. I know you had some time with the Nets. And, you know, there's there's the G League, there's the NBA itself, there's overseas. There are these rules for student-athletes, and I, I want to get your thoughts on this because it is something that's being questioned a lot because there's little loopholes that are being found and, and some of these holes are being patched, some of them are blown wide open. You can be in high school or prep school, be a student-athlete, and say, all right, I'm going to go to college for a year, for three years, for two years, for four, or you can go play overseas and as long as you're 18 years old and you've played overseas, you can come back and be in the NBA draft. Now you can go to the G League, be 18, uh-huh. sign a G League thing in September, play in the G League, make up to $26,000, and then in the following year, you could be in the NBA draft. What are your thoughts on on all of these avenues? And now you can go straight to the G League to be a pro, or you can come overseas like the Ball family has done and then come back. Uh, no, it is interesting, and honestly, I didn't really know that about the G League until um, the, the the kid Baisley did it. Um, so I actually had no idea that you could do that. Um, but it is going to be interesting. I mean, it's going to be it's going to be fun to watch his journey, and and I mean, it stinks that he's not going to be for Syracuse. But I mean, in terms of of just a kid, um, I mean, it's going to be interesting to, to follow him and, and see how he does and how he likes it. I mean, obviously, I loved my time in, in college, and and I was a four-year player. Um, so, I mean, it, it, was, it was fun for me. Um, but for these other guys that have that opportunity, I mean, I mean, I, I mean over here, I mean, guys are able to, to go pro when, when they're physically able to, to do it and, and make money for it. Um, I mean, you, you have, like I said earlier, uh, some people have a small window where you're able to, to play at a high level. Um, so, I mean, it will be interesting going forward to see uh, what changes are made in the United States and, and for players. Um, but, I mean, if the G League is an option for some guys, I think some guys will take it. Um, I mean, I'm over here right now. I'm 25 years old, and, and I honestly could not imagine being over here if, if I was just out of high school. Like, I don't know how someone could do that, honestly. I mean, because you're, you're, you're completely on your own. Your different language, like it, it would, uh, it would be impossible almost. I think. Um, so I mean, if 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 an eighteen year old wants to go to the G League, I mean, it's, I mean, it is interesting, and it will be interesting to see um, how he does. Honestly, to to have that though, and 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 so like you said, you brought up Darius Baisley. He's the first person to do this to go straight to the G League. I had brought up right before you had come on to the show that I can see both sides of this. I understand why fans are upset. And I and I said to fans, I said, Let's say, it's not just Syracuse fans. If he chose to go to the G League, he was going to do this to anybody. He would have done it to Kentucky, Michigan State, Duke, it doesn't matter. But, you know, to, to look at both sides of it, 
I understand why fans are upset. I also don't like, as you know, and as you experience, I don't like personal attacks after people who are making decisions for their lives. I, I don't feel like people should feel that comfortable to go to a stranger and say, this is how you should live your life. On the, on the other side of it, Trev, there's, there's the Darius Baisley signing on the dotted line and contracts are supposed to mean something. So I said, you know, should there be a, a monetary penalty if a guy backs away from a from a scholarship that was locked up for like think about it this way Baisley has a scholarship and Syracuse is looking at you and it's you and Baisley and they got one left and Baisley calls two days before you call so they go okay we're going to give it to Baisley and then you're waiting 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 hoping for something you end up going somewhere else he decides not to go there and now it's blown up your spot it's blown up Syracuse's spot it's affected your life your family their lives their team their future should there be a repercussion for that uh you I mean we could we could talk about this all day long and the thing about college sports is it's one of the most interesting things, business, or whatever you want to call it, in, in the whole entire world, just because of, of how much money it brings in, and and I mean, obviously, you get a full scholarship, um, but you, you don't really get paid, and then like coaches get paid, and, and there's different things, and it really is there. There's no right or wrong answer. There's no there's no correct fix that you can throw into it and be like, this will work. Because like there is no there's no answer like if you say all right let, let's pay kids well what are you going to pay them are you going to pay them salary they're going to make kind of based on what they do is there going to be like there's no you're going to pay everyone equally is is the top player going to get paid what the walk on gets paid so I mean it it is it is interesting and <laughs> there is no there is no fix for it and um, that's why it's so it's so complicated um, I know people have thrown out different options and, and different things to do. Um, but there is, in my opinion, there's no, there's no fix for it. And I mean, you are right. Like I said, there's so much there. It's so multi-layered that like you said, you could talk about it all day long and you and I will have 17 different answers and yeah. still more questions. It's, yeah. It's, sorry to cut you off, but like going back to what you said earlier, I mean, he, he did sign a contract, but what, what can you do to him? Like, like does he does he pay a fine? Does, like what what could be a, a punishment that you could possibly pass on to this kid that decided to go to the G League instead of college? Well, and that's the thing is you know the only thing that you could really do is is fine him. You know you could say okay you know this we're going to take a portion of the tuition and we're going to fine you for that for doing that. But the thing is on the other side of it, Trevor, a coach signs on the dotted line, do they not? And you all agree to go to play for that coach, and then that coach goes, you know what? I don't want to be in Butler anymore. I think I want to go to Pittsburgh. And now what are you supposed to do? So it's, it, the, if we figured it out, and then I said, because I said it before you came on, okay, so charge the kid a fine. But if you charge his family a fine, then every other kid would want coaches to be charged fines every single year as well. Yeah, I mean, there there is there is no fix. I mean, um... Who's the coach at Arizona State football? Uh, Herm Edwards? Yeah. Uh, I, I just saw something. I didn't read the article. I saw the headline that, um, I mean, he's a new coach there, and, and he was going to start making cuts even for scholarship guys. I mean, is that fair to the kid that, that picks Arizona State to play football, and then all of a sudden he gets cut from a team? Like, what, what does he do now? If, if he transfers, he's got to sit out a whole entire year because the new coach didn't didn't like him? 
Yeah. I mean, aren't we supposed to be there to, to get an education? And, and isn't it about that? I mean, and now, now he's going to get cut from the team that he has a scholarship to. I mean, so there's there's so many different things uh, involved, and and there's so many different uh, there there is no there is no fix. Um, it is a uh, a very interesting system. I don't want to say it's completely messed up because um, you can talk to people like me and a lot of other people out there that that played four years that had the time of their life that that got a great education, um, and and I mean. I'm fine with with my years playing college basketball, but I mean, you can talk to other people that that have lost scholarships and and been cut and maybe left early and it didn't work out. Um, so I mean, there's so many different things out there. Um, but yeah, it is it is uh, it is probably one of the most interesting uh, things out there, honestly. And in a, and the thing is, you stayed four years and you said you loved it, but mm-hmm. you get penalized in the NBA. This is a crazy thing. In Major League Baseball, they're prospecting, prospecting, prospecting. In the NFL, you got to stay three seasons or the equivalent of that by age, and then then you can go into the NFL draft. So they know what they're getting. The NFL knows nine times out of ten. They like to think that they know there's going to be a Ryan Leaf here and there, but they know what they're getting. In the NBA, C.J. Fair stays four seasons. I think he deserves a job. Doesn't get it. Jerry McNamara, and, and albeit he was injured, had a groin injury, an ankle, and whatnot, but he was he was talented before Steph Curry came out. You come out, you do a lot of different things. Mike Benajay, he gets drafted, but you know you still got to fight for your life in that situation. So it's funny to me how you go to get in. They tell you that the NCAA wants student athletes to get an education first, and the NBA tells you we would prefer you don't get an education, just go for a year, and then we're going to roll the dice and hope to Jesus that you're a good player. And it makes no sense that someone who stays four years is almost always treated inferior to a person that was there for five minutes. Yeah, I mean, uh, the NBA, they, they look a lot on potential. So, I mean, to the guy that, like Buddy Hale a couple years ago, I mean, he stayed four years, and, I mean, he was one of the best players in college basketball. But the NBA guys, you almost want a guy that's 18, 19 years old than a guy that's, that's 23, 24. Um and it's just it's just how it is. I mean, you you're gonna say like, oh, this younger guy can play longer. He has more potential. Different things. Um, so I mean, yeah. I mean, a lot of guys that that stay longer, you kind of have that over your head that oh, like he's a little bit older than than these other guys that are one and done. And, it, and finally, here, this has nothing to do with this, but I gotta I gotta ask you this, Trevor, since you come from Delaware and you know that I appreciate the pizza and the life out there. So Dante DiVincenzo from the winning Villanova Wildcats is called the Michael Jordan of Delaware. However, he's not called the Trevor Cooney of Delaware. What are your thoughts on uh, on Dante DiVincenzo being called the the Michael Jordan of Delaware by his head coach Jay Wright? Uh, I mean, he is he is really really talented kid. Um, I've had the chance to. Um, to, to work out with him a couple times and, and be around him and he is uh, definitely a special talent um, but I mean we did we did similar things in high school we both had two state championships but um, he is definitely really really talented and, and he won a national championships so I guess he can he can be called the, the Michael Jordan of Delaware but he's not the Trevor Cooney and we got to remember that so he's not the Trevor Cooney of Spain now either and and Tre- Trev I appreciate it I, I know you spent some good time and you always do here on the show, you know you're always welcome, and you know while you're in Spain, get some good food on uh, 
I, on my side, for me, I got to live vicariously through you until I get up there. So thank you for being on the show and thanks for, you know, being a friend in my opinion and, and just, you know, being a good guy. I really do appreciate the work that you've done. Oh, no, thank you. No, it's, it's always a pleasure to be on here with you. And by the way, a fan really quick here said, Trevor, thanks for the memories. Your 27-point game against Cornell was my cousin's first game in the Dome. Glad to have shared that experience with him. So you just got that. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. So we always get stuff like that all the time. By the way, while you've been gone, St. Bonaventure and Buffalo are pretty damn good. You might need to come back. We might need you for a couple more games. <laughs> they, they are really good. Um, but, I mean, they've always been good programs, but – they got some some more talent in there, and those guys were able to to win some games, and and it's it's a really good program. So it's 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 that New York area is really good. Well, upstate New York bounced out the Pac-12, and we can never forget that. Trev, as always, yeah. thank you, sir, for being a part of the show, and enjoy Spain. And and when you get back here, get home safely. I look forward to talking with you soon. Thank you. Sounds good. All right, take care, man. All right, bye. You too. See ya. That coming from Trevor Cooney. One of my favorite people to ever come into Syracuse, New York. It doesn't matter if you play basketball or not. He's just a good guy. So I've always appreciated his time, and he's always taken time for me. And uh, it means a lot when a guy takes time six hours difference than, than Syracuse, New York, just to come on the show and say hey. So And he stayed on here for a while with us, and I definitely appreciate that and value that very much. You know, Trevor Cooney – is somebody that I would go to bat for any day of the week as far as, you know, when people say, you know, oh, he didn't do this or he made some shots. No. Trevor Cooney played good defense. He attacked from three-point. When he attacked the basket, he showed how dangerous he could be there, and I respect the heck out of him. And anybody who has a family that would fly all over God's green earth to go see them and support them, that means the world to me because that's how my family is, you know. My mom and dad would go wherever. If I said to my mom right now, Mom, I'm going to go to Spain and do a, and I'm going to do my show from Spain, she'd be like, cool. How long are you going to be there? I'm going to be there for a couple months. All right, I'll come see you. Or she would just surprise me and not tell me she was coming to see me, and she'd just come see me. That's how my mom is. So, you know, it's just, it's, it's that love and it's that appreciation. He comes from a good family. He comes from good food in Delaware because I've been in some of the parts, and him and I have discussed and, you know, he did a lot for Syracuse. He really did. And I do. I love talking to him because it's like talking to a friend, you know, for me. So thank you to Trevor for being a part of the show. Thank you for what you did with Syracuse. Thank you for your words on Frank Howard. And thank you for engaging in a conversation that, like he said, would be, it would be, it's like having a, it's like trying to pass a bill in Congress. That's what it is to figure out the NCAA NBA connection, college to pro. That is like a congressional bill. That It's like trying to pass the health... Well, we can maybe not health care. Because that bill is all kinds of crazy. Right? It's insane. Dan, don't talk politics. It's not politics. It's health care. It's, it's broken. It's very broken. So let's, let's do it like this. Health care. And then under that, college to pro. Trying to figure that out. Because the college to pro situation is undeniably crazy. It's insane. How do you figure it out? How do we make it all make sense? And that's what Trevor said. He's like, you and I could talk about this all day long, and we would still be talking about this. We would. And there's and there's no denying that that would be the case. 
that Trev and I could spend a week talking about this. And then next week we're like, hey, man, I thought of something different. And then Trevor's like, you know what? I thought about a point that I made and I wanted to kind of adjust the, you know, it's just it's going to go on forever because it's gotten out of hand. The thing is, if somebody wants to get somewhere bad enough, they're going to get there. They're going to get there. These guys want to go to the NBA. They're going to figure out loopholes to get there. You know what? I don't want to go there. I don't want to go to school and do this, this, and this. I'm going to go overseas. I don't want to do this, this, and the thing is, it's not easy to go overseas. We say it like it's so easy. Trevor said it. You got to learn a different language. You're in a totally different place. You're not anywhere close to home. If you're in Idaho and you're originally from Brooklyn, I mean, you're going to get jarred a little bit and you're going to be like, oh my God, I want to go home. And it's going to take you... 10 hours on a, to get home and do this, connect to a flight, go here, go there. Maybe you have two connections. If you drive, it's going to take you a day. Think about being overseas. Oh, you want to go home? Yeah, that's just a 10-hour flight. Oh, you want to see your family? Oh, they could take a boat and be here next week. It's a lot for a guy to go overseas. It's a lot for somebody to, to learn another language and or to whether they learn it or not to be around it. That's a lot on a human being, you know? So for Trevor to just be sitting there, it's like, yeah, mom and dad are at home. Family's at home. Girlfriend's at home. She's in New York. So, you know, when Trev goes out to dinner, you know, it could just be, I mean, yeah, you could go out with your teammates and whatnot, but Trev can't call his mom and go, hey, mom, want to get some dinner? Can't call his girlfriend and say, hey, you want to come down here to the pier with me? It's, it's just Trevor. Chasing your dreams, people see the greatness of it. They see the positivity of it. But like I told you before, I'm an iceberg. Trevor's an iceberg. You're seeing a little bit of what we do. You're seeing the part that that is above the water. But all the stuff below the water, that's Trevor going overseas by himself living in a place he doesn't know, learning a language he doesn't know, being with players that he never played with, being with a coach that he's never been coached by, unfamiliar everything, a totally different world, a totally different nation than America. Now, if he scores 30 points in a game, that'll be picked up by this, that, and the other TV station. But... Being in an apartment alone, going to dinner alone, trying to figure out how to get home, trying to do this, trying to do that, trying to get the family out, trying to watch a Syracuse game at 3 o'clock in the morning. None of that stuff is seen. That's all underwater in the iceberg. His work toward his dreams, you see the 30-point game. Trevor sees everything inside of the four walls that he's in, the country that he's in, and everything that he's doing. Hard work and determination. Everything that we are doing, those of us that are confident enough and courageous enough to live our dreams, even when you scream in our face and tell us not to, those of us that are doing what we're doing, you see the tip of the iceberg. You don't see the rest of it. The meat and potatoes. You don't see it. For him to live his dream, for Trevor to continue to play basketball at a high level and be a professional, for him to do that, he has had to make sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice. And damn it, he's done it every time. So yeah, I respect the heck out of him.
And I would have if he never did this. Because Trevor Cooney has been a constant reminder to me that no matter what people say and no matter what people think of you, if you love yourself, believe in yourself, and respect yourself, you can achieve anything. And you can achieve your dreams while they're screaming at you. You can do everything you want to do in life while the people on the outside of your bubble are having a temper tantrum. Trevor Cooney has had some of the biggest shoulders I've ever seen in my life. And I appreciate that somebody like that can respect somebody like me. Makes you think you're doing something right in the world. We'll take a step aside here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora for another man to tell his story. Coming up here in just a moment, Michael Lasker will join me a week before the spring game. This former Syracuse offensive tackle who played under Schaefer and Babers has something to say. We'll talk about it in a moment. This is a wake-up call, Fast Break. This is Jimmer Sikowski, owner-operator of Chick-fil-A Cicero, 7916 Brewerton Road in Cicero, right in front of the Home Depot. I had a deep feeling that God wanted me to do something bigger with my life and to help people, help others. I kept putting Chick-fil-A in my life, and I realized as I was going through the franchise selection process that uh, positively impacting the lives of others was really core to what we do here at Chick-fil-A. First of all, it starts with the food. The food is brought in fresh daily. You know, we bring in local produce. We prepare to order in the kitchen. We hand bread our chicken. We hand spin our milkshakes. It's it's great food. It doesn't taste like fast food. I, I think the second thing is is the way people feel when they come in a Chick-fil-A restaurant. It's different. We we try to treat people with intentional kindness here, which is very different and deeper than good customer service. And so. I think it feels remarkable for most people to come in a Chick-fil-A restaurant. And then lastly, the impact that we try to have in the community is very different. It's a big part of the expectation of every operator of a Chick-fil-A restaurant is that they're actively engaged in their community, they're a leader in the community, and they're, they're making a difference. When they realize that what we're striving to do is to shine a little light in their life, that's a very, very different experience uh, than you will have at any other quick service restaurant. And it's that remarkable experience that I think people will emotionally connect with. Hi, this is Domenico Vitali, owner of Giovanni's Formalware, where you look great and feel even better with our renowned tailoring and alteration services on any suit or any tuxedo from anywhere. Call 315-455-8729. That's 315-455-8729. Stop in locally on Route 11 in North Syracuse next to the Ponderosa Plaza where you can choose your style, get fitted, and tailored, all at Giovanni's Formalware. I'm George Townsend of Honda City with some good advice from buying a new car. The true cost of owning a new car is determined by the appraised value when you trade it. No vehicle appraises higher than a Honda. Next, look for low APRs and deep discounts. You also want low maintenance costs and great fuel economy. That's why my advice to you is to buy a new Honda. Looking pre-owned, visit our Honda Certified Used Car Center. Honda City, 7140 Henry Clay Boulevard, Liverpool, or hondacity-cny.com. It would be a pity if you don't shop. 
For all of us that have always wanted our favorite restaurant to come to us, it's now a reality in Central New York with It's a Utica Thing, with Utica Pizza Company bringing their wonderful recipes that they've handed down through generations to you, to your events, to your business, to your home. It's a Utica Thing, proudly bringing Utica Pizza Company on wheels to your location. Call 315-738-8946. That's 315-738-8946 to bring Utica Pizza Company to your doorstep with It's a Utica Thing. Welcome here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. Proud to be here with you every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. That is when you can hang out with us live on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. Please know that after that, the MixLR archive takes in all of the shows and automatically puts it there about 15 minutes after the show is live. And then it goes over to Podbean, it goes to TuneIn, it goes to Player FM, it goes to iTunes, it goes to the website. You can get it all very simply by going to wakeupcalldt.com and checking out the RSS feed, the MixLR live stream, the iTunes podcast, the Podbean app, and we're going to be adding TuneIn and everything else there as well. So thank you for however you listen. And I'm very happy to have on the show somebody for you to listen to today, and that is Michael Lasker, Jr. Michael Lasker played for Syracuse very recently here and spent some time with the team. It came in, and well, he was at Riverside City College and then came on to Syracuse's team and was able to be a part of the offensive line for the Syracuse Orange and help them push forward. And he went through a lot coming from California to Syracuse, got to learn a lot of different things. And he's somebody that I'm very happy is here on the broadcast with me right now to tell his story and share it all with you. So with that being said, I, w- I want to welcome him in right now. Michael, how you doing today? Thank you. I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. I uh, appreciate, you know, you uh, taking the time to, uh, you know, for this, you know, interview. Absolutely. And, and Michael, you know, I, I want to, I want to take a look at, you know, your life. I want to go back to the beginning for you, just what you could say about football in general. What made you fall in love with it? You know, you're coming from the West Coast. What was it about football for you that just became something special that you wanted to do? Well, you know, it's, you know, interesting because, you know, I, growing up, you know, I was, I didn't, I didn't play football until high school. So, to my freshman year in high school. So, growing up, I just played, you know, baseball and basketball. And, you know, I thought, you know, basketball was my passion and basketball was my dream. And, you know, I thought, you know, I wanted to play in college and go, you know, the NBA. But, you know, once I got to high school, you know, I tried out for the summer league. And uh, I realized that guys were like, you know, 6'6", six, 6'7", six, 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 and they were freshmen. And I was only about 5'11", and about 250 pounds. And I soon, soon realized that all right, or basketball might not be, you know, might not be, you know, the the thing for me to go, the route for me to go. So, uh, football, you know, I guess tryouts or camp, whatever you want to call it, for the freshmen uh, were the following uh, was the following week. So I attended that, and then, you know, that's pretty much you know where it uh, where it went from there. You know, my uh, my dad and my uncle, you know, they were big uh, big on football, and they always told me you, know, you have the body to play football. You know, just go and do it and try football. And um, you know, so I did it in high school, and uh, 
And, you know, that's uh, pretty much how, you know, I, I fell in love with it. Um, you know, I, I was always too big and heavy to play in, I guess, Little League and Pop Warner, uh, you know, in California. So that's probably another reason why I didn't play, it, it being, you know, youth. But, yeah, I would say my, my dad and my uncle probably, uh, you know, they had a big influence on it, you know, and uh, you kind of get me interested in football. Was it tough for you to say – goodbye to basketball so I mean you never truly say goodbye to something but was it tough for you to you know kind of shift to football and not put all your eggs in the basketball basket so to speak was was that a difficult thing knowing how much you love the sport and like you said that you wanted to play that sport and that was originally what you were hoping to do yeah it was it was definitely tough because you know I I had you know I get, you know, there was people that I played, you know, on AAU teams and summer league teams, you know, basketball, and, you know, I, you know, grew up with them since, you know, first, second grade, and we played, you know, all together, and they moved on to, you know, compete in high school, and I didn't, and I always, you know, thought, you know, like, you know, I wonder, you know, should I, you know, try this, or, you know, is this, you know, is football the right sport for me, but, you know, like I said, once I kind of, like, you know, accepted that I don't really have a body frame, and I'm not going to, you know, you know, like, you know, be that, be, you know, a, like I was playing center. I know I'm not going to be a 6'4", six, 6'5", six, center. So, you know, I had, you know, I soon, you know, realized that that's probably not the sport for me. But, but you know, it, it was tough to let go at first. But, you know, after my first or second year, I pretty much, uh, I just, you know, played it, you know, recre- recreational and just, you know, played for fun after that. And as you moved into football and, and looked at kind of where your opportunities were at, you started off at Riverside City College. Just bring me into that because, you know, everybody's got a different journey. Your journey before you got to Syracuse started at Riverside. So from your high school, you know, at Santiago into Riverside, just bring me into that story and going over to River Riverside City before you came over to the East Coast in the Syracuse Orange. Yeah, I mean, so, you know, as, you know, but my sophomore and junior year picked up, you know, a lot. I got a lot of interest from, you know, college teams, and that's when I really, you know, realized that, you know, I can probably play football at the next level. But, you know, for whatever reason, you know, things just didn't work out. Uh, I kind of felt like I was, you know, passed over. Um, I had a lot of interest, you know, from, from uh, you know, teams. I know, you know, like, for example, Arizona State and uh, Washington State, they offered, but uh, I lost basically those scholarships due to coaching changes and, you know, transition. And then um, I got an offer at the last minute from a Division II school, Azusa Pacific in California. You know, I, I thought about it, but then, you know, I, I talked to my head coach, uh, Jeff Steinberg, and uh, I kind of, you know, I sat down with him and I told him, like, yeah, you know, I'm, you know, he thought it would be a good, you know, gig for me, a good idea, a good plan to go to the, the Division II route. You know, I get, a, you know, my education and get to continue to play football. But I told him, no, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go the junior college route. Uh, I feel like it's a, a better path for me and more opportunities for exposure. And uh, and that was, you know, pretty much what happened. You know, I went to a junior college, and uh, I believe by, like, the third or fourth game, well, I was getting – so I, I started um, – I was actually still in high school, and we had to, we got to go to little spring practices. So then that's why I kind of started getting recruited by, um, by some teams uh, at from Riverside when I was kind of doing the spring, you know, introduction type of practices. And then once, you know, the summer hit and the season started, I think after like the third or fourth game, I got like my, my first offer from the University of Hawaii. And then, you know, things 
kind of, you know, slowed down a little bit, you know, the recruiting process. They're kind of just, you know, seeing, you know, teams are just seeing, you know, what they need and what the needs are for junior college guys. And uh, Arizona State, pretty much, they offered me again, but they offered me for, it was the 2014 class because they had no more slots left for the 2013. So I pretty much, uh, you know, was set on staying at um, junior college, uh, you know, Riverside City College for another year. But then uh, the recruiting coordinator, um, Eric White, actually messaged me on Facebook. And uh, that's how, uh, you know, the, the relationship with Syracuse uh, started. They, uh, you know, basically said they're really interested in me. You know, uh, am I a qualifier? Can I, you know, will I be able to enroll in the summer? And, uh, you know, basically just wanted to know what was my story because they couldn't believe that I was available. So, you know, they talked to the uh, offense coordinator. I talked to, uh, you know, uh, uh, Coach McDonald. I talked to him, and then they pretty much said, yeah, they, they love me and they want to offer me. And then I, I went on my visit, I think, the following week, and then that's when I, uh, you know, I, just, I fell in love with everyone there. It was a good program, you know, good academic staff. Know good academics and uh, fell in love with the school and the environment. And that's when I uh, I committed uh, the same uh, same weekend as my visit. And actually, when I got back a few days later, uh, Baylor offered me a scholarship, and uh, it was tough because you know obviously you know Baylor was kind of on the rise at that time period, and I con- contemplated you know just it was back and forth you know if I was in a you know go to Baylor, Syracuse, and ultimately I, I chose uh, Syracuse uh, at the end of the day. What made you choose Syracuse? Speaking here with Michael Lasker, Jr. of you know Syracuse football history, what ultimately did it for you to make you choose Syracuse when you said, you know, I went home and I had an option of going to Baylor or going to Syracuse? You knew that Baylor was on the rise. What separated Syracuse for you? Uh, you know, I think it was just, you know, I think on my visit, you know, I just, I really had a good feeling, you know, with, um, you know, all the coaches and, um, you know, I, I really like, uh, I, I didn't, I, I spoke to, but, uh, you know, coach Perlis, he was really, you know, really a, a good guy. You know, he, I felt like he was the coach I needed, um, you know, throughout my career. He, uh, really, uh, just taught me a lot and I was really comfortable. You know, he told me, you know, basically what my roles would be and I was a really good chance to, you know, start that year. And uh, same thing with Coach McDonald and Coach Schaefer. You know, it was just a really, uh, really good environment. And you know, I just kind of had a, a gut feeling that this was the, you know, the, the right place to go. And I kind of felt, you know, it was kind of like a loyal thing. You know, they were like, you know, one of the first ones to, to offer, and they, you know, took a chance on me. And I felt, you know, as if that uh, it all was gonna, you know, work out in a, uh, you know, in God's hand. And it was God's plan for me to go to Syracuse University. When you look back on it, hindsight being twenty twenty, do you ever think about Baylor or no? Yeah, I'm not going to lie and say I don't. I definitely do. Um, you know, just because, you know, actually one of my teammates from uh, Riverside Community College, he, uh, he attended Baylor, and, uh, you know, he begged me every day to just take a visit, you know, to Baylor. So, I mean, you know, I'm not going to say, like, you know, I don't, uh, I don't, you know, in hindsight, you know, as, you know, the way my career, you know, panned out and, you know, our success in Syracuse. I'm not going to say that I didn't look back and wish, well, hey, maybe should I have went to Baylor? Because at times, I, you know, not, you know, at times, you know, looking now, at times I wish maybe I would have, you know, made a different decision. But at the end of the day, you know, it, it happened. You know, I'm a, I was at Syracuse. I was happy there. You know, I met, you know, I have relationships that, uh, you know, will last forever. 
um, you know, it opened up many, many doors. So. And, and like you said, I mean, you can't help but look back and, and think about that. What can you ultimately say about, you know, your time at Syracuse, Michael, when you, when you look back on it, you know, you're, you want to play college football. You want to win games, obviously. You want to get to the postseason. You want to play in the college football playoff. You you want to do all those things, and Syracuse struggled to do that. And then after that, you want to make the NFL. And, and you know, as you move forward in your life right now, your career is taking a, a different path than the NFL. So do you look back on it and, and, and think about, you know, what could have been, what should have been, you know, how do you see everything? Because I, I mean, I, I tend to not live life with any regrets. That's how I live mine. And I just want to get your thoughts on, you know, kind of just how you look back on your time at Syracuse and you always want to win games, but it didn't necessarily happen. And then when you move forward to the NFL, you know, maybe some of these other teams, definitely some of these other teams that win a substantial number of games, get a few more looks at their film and whatnot. So just what you took away from that. Yeah. I mean, I guess, you know, what you just, the last part you just said, you know, when, uh, you know, a lot of other teams get looked at, um, you know, I, I think that was probably the, the biggest thing, you know, I felt that, you know, maybe, you know, like, I, I'm kind of like, I don't really like to live with, you know, regret. I kind of just like to see that everything live by everything happens for a reason, but definitely, you know, it's, it was tough, you know, kind of tough to swallow knowing that, you know, people that I played with, you know, in high school or, you know, just younger than me or just people that I know of that got opportunities in the NFL, but, and, you know, but just because based off of the, the school they went to. So, uh, you know, that's definitely, uh, that definitely, it kind of, you know, not bothers me, but it kind of just, you know, makes me wonder, you know, what if, you know, I made a different decision. But like I said, at the end of the day, you know, it is what it is. You know, I, I, I hate the decision. You know, I don't, I don't really regret it. I just, you know, it happens for, it happened for a reason. And like I said, I met, you know, so many, you know, people there and uh, relationships that will last forever. That coming from Michael Lasker, Jr. of Syracuse Football History on the offensive line. Michael, what can you say you took away when you when you look back on that and your time at Syracuse, knowing that you went through coaching changes and different offensive schemes and different people at the helm of the offense? It wasn't just an offensive line coach that had changed. It was scheming of the offense and, and just – different things that they were asking of you and different things that were coming about. So what did you take away from your time there, knowing that you had to go through the ebb and flow of coaching changes and, you know, positional where a coach is going to be. And and like you said, George McDonald, you come in, then it's Tim Lester. So just what you took away from having to learn a system and then learn a different system or maybe something that was similar, but different nuances. Yeah. I mean, I guess, you know, the biggest thing I took away was, uh, you know, and Coach Schaefer would always, you know, uh, you know, um, say this, you know, in meetings, you know, control the controllables and adjust to the elements, you know, and that's basically what my career was at Syracuse, you know, it was just, you know, controlling what I can control and adjusting, you know, to the elements, you know, I kind of feel like that's kind of, it prepared me just, you know, for life in general, you know, just because, you know, it was so many, so much change, and I had to basically. I mean, I, I, the first, I haven't, I, didn't, I, didn't, I haven't had like a coach, you know, an offensive line coach in particular, um, the same offensive line coach in particular since. I mean, ever, ever, really. It, you know, the only times I did was Coach Adam from 2014 to 15. Those were the only two 
two years that I had consecutive offensive line coaches. So I definitely think that, you know, what it taught me was just basically that, you know, life just comes at you quick and different obstacles, you know, will come at you and when you're not expecting it. And I guess, you know, Coach Schaefer kind of prepared, you know, prepared me for life in that, in that uh, sense. I feel like Coach Schaefer gets a bad rap. And I got to know Scott Schaefer over time. I got to spend some good time with him, have some conversations that, that meant a lot to me, meant something to me. Got to know his staff very well. What can you say about Scott Schaefer? Do you feel like he got a bad rap? Was he better than people gave him credit for, the record gave him credit for? Just what you took away from him, because I would like to think that I got to know the man more so than just the record. So what can you say about Scott Schaefer? Yeah, he's definitely you know a uh, you know a good guy, you know a loving guy. He just he w- he really just wants the best you know for him. And I think sometimes you know people get the wrong perception of him just because they don't really know him. You know how uh, how you know sometimes some of the players do. Uh, personally, I know you know one of uh, I know for you know personally you know after my father had passed away in 2014, he was constantly texting me, calling me, checking on me, just making sure I was okay. You know. And if there was anything, you know, him and his wife could do just to help me out, you know, from a mental standpoint, you know, making sure I was okay. So that's kind of where I really appreciate him the most because, you know, he was always, you know, checking on checking on me and making sure that, you know, I was, I was doing okay. And I, and I definitely think that, you know, even though the records didn't really reflect, you know, um, I guess, how he was perceived, but I, I definitely think, you know, I mean, I, I got nothing but respect for him. You know, he gave me my uh, my first opportunity. You know, I didn't, I wish I could have, you know, uh, you know, thanked him, but uh, I just, you know, I hadn't, hadn't had an opportunity yet, but I, I think uh, he's definitely a, was a good coach and uh, he was a, a good a good mentor and, you know, good, uh, good leader for, for a team. Bring me through when, uh, when Scott got fired. Just what you can say about, you know, that because it almost it almost seemed like it was just a very quick see you later and he was gone. And and I know that after the game, after the Boston College game, he was very emotional. Uh, I remember, you know, because him and I had gotten to know each other, he gave me a hug and he was starting to get worked up. And and then I remember when he was walking away, he gave me another hug and that's when the tears were coming and then he got in the car. And, and drove away and said some things to me, a really positive and really kind words before he, he had walked away from that. Just bring me into that game against Boston College. If you really did want to win for him, knowing before the game that he was going to be fired, and you know they didn't wait until after, they, they kind of just let everybody know, like, hey, this is his last round. So just what you can say the locker room was like, the experience was like, knowing that they had made the decision already before you guys had played the game. Right, yeah. It, I mean, it's interesting that you bring it up because it's it was kind of a unique, um, you know, experience for me because I was actually going to transfer. You know, I, I had already talked to Coach Schaefer and uh, I let him know that I was, you know, going to transfer. You know, probably that was 2015. Yeah, so mid midway through the season, I think after we had played Florida State that year, I told him that I was going to I was going to tra- transfer because I, I hadn't played yet that season, and I still and if if I didn't play, there was only like three or four games left and. I had an opportunity to redshirt, you know, you know, use a redshirt that year. So I basically, you know, I had a conversation with him, you know, a positive conversation. I basically told him that, you know, you know, 
you know, it's nothing personal against you. You know, I think you're a hell of a coach. It has nothing to do with you, but I just kind of want to transfer and explore my options just based on, you know, how I feel, you know, that the staff is moving, you know, moving, moving forward with me and how, you know, they view me, as, you know, my role in the team. And I felt that I could contribute more, more to the team than what they thought I could. So, you know, I just talked to him basically and said, you know, I wanted to transfer. I talked to him and, you know, my offensive line coach, uh, Coach Adam. So it was kind of uh, – I kind of knew that I wasn't going to be there possibly the next year anyway, but it was definitely, you can, I guess the team, you could kind of feel something was building up that week or the weeks prior. You can kind of just tell around like the energy that something was going to happen. You kind of knew it was a possibility that this was going to happen by the way the coaches were talking that, that season, especially towards, you know, after, you know, Florida state and, and NC state, I think, but we pretty much, they told us, you know, he had got, uh, he had got, you know, released and, um, you know, he's going to be able to coach his last game. But the last, that last week, it was, uh, it was really, you know, just, you know, obviously we were out of bowl contention, contention at that time. And, you know, it was really just, you know, just playing for one, playing for one another, you know, playing for Coach Schaefer. Um, we definitely wanted to get that, that win for him. Um, you know, he, like I said, he gave a lot of us, opportunities and a lot of us have nothing but respect for him and he definitely we just wanted to get this last win for him it was definitely like you know emotional emotional feeling because I knew that wasn't you know probably that was going to be my you know my my last game my last game in the dome my last game and everything so it was kind of like a farewell farewell for you know for me as well like you know but um you know I it was like I said we we all tried to play hard for him we all, uh, I feel like it was definitely, it showed how much the team cared after the game with the emotion when uh, he was picked up, um, you know, after the game winning field goal against Boston College. And when you're going through that, like you said, you know, you were going to transfer and like, and, and you had already let him know. So, I mean, how weird of a season was it for you where you had said, hey, you know, Scott, you know, I, I'm going to, I'm going to go after this year. I feel like there's a better place for me. And then that happens with him. And then you're like you said, you were vibing that season the way the coaches were talking, especially in the last few games that things were not going that well. So, I mean, it had to be very strange and kind of awkward quarters that you were leaving and that you didn't keep that a secret. And then all of a sudden there was the notion that he was going to be let go and the staff was going to be let go. So I, I can only imagine that, you know, it, it was – a lot of in the background going on when you're trying to prepare for games and do different things. I mean, what was the culture like and what was the environment like? Could you, could you get a sense that there was all this other stuff going on or were you guys able to lock in that year? Yeah. I mean, I I mean, I've definitely like as players, you can definitely tell when something's going on, you know, it's just, you know, as as much as the coach will tell, you know, just focus on this and blah, blah, we're not going to worry about, you know, our record right now. And, you know, the coaches, you can, you definitely, as players, you know, and you can feel, you can feel the energy. You can just feel by the way they're talking. You can feel, and it is what it is. You know, players talk amongst, you know, amongst themselves, you know, about these things because you know, you never know what's going to happen when, you know, when the coaching change happens. You know, it affects the players just as much as it affects the other coaches. You know, and I, I know that firsthand because you know I lost scholarships due to coaching changes coming out of high school. But, you know, it was just, it was a really unique experience because I was set on leaving, you know, Syracuse and then, you know, I 
I talked to uh, I talked to Coach Hicks. Uh, me and Coach me and Coach Hicks had a conversation. You know, basically, you know, saying, you know, what should I do? Should I stay or should I leave? Because you know, and Coach Hicks basically told me, you know, if I was you, I mean, you know, you're uh, you know, you're, you're set here. All your everything's, uh, you know, you're used to this environment here, and uh, there's going to be a, a whole a totally new staff anyway. So you're going to get a fresh start regardless. So you don't have to move or pack up anything. So, so after he said that, you know, it really hit me. and It made a lot of sense. And then I went, you know, to the team meeting. The first because it was that was the first day Coach Babers had came to Syracuse when we had the the team meeting. So uh, that was when I, you know, decided to, uh, you know, stay at Syracuse. Speaking here with Michael Asker, junior offensive lineman in the history of Syracuse. What was that like for you, and, and what was your first impression of Dino? Oh, you know, my first impression, you know, of uh, Coach Babers, she's definitely, you know, she's definitely, you know, really, really energetic, you know, his passion, he cares, and, you know, he was, you know, he came in, you know, with the winner's mentality, you know, winner's, you know, mindset, and, uh, you know, it was definitely, it was just, you know, it was just refreshing, I guess, you know, to have something new, um, you know, just different. Like I said, the way, I mean, the way he coached and the way, you know, basically the way the program was when he was, you know, the year I was there or he was there and then, the you know, the previous uh, years with Coach Champ, it was just, you know, like night and day, totally, totally different styles. And, uh, but I mean, I really, I really enjoyed, you know, Coach Babers and that was one of the main reasons why, you know, I, I stayed and I didn't, you know, pursue, you know, transferring and exploring my other options. But I definitely feel like you know the team you know got a good vibe from from him as well and uh everyone kind of you know rallied together and you know really wanted to play for him and when you when you have that when you decide like speaking with will hicks when you said should i stay or should i go and he said well you know this area you know you know kind of what you're here you're comfortable here and whatnot when Dino comes in and, and you get an opportunity to work with Dino and like you said you, you felt a culture of winning and whatnot he established that he expected big things from the team, tried to implement his plan and do what he needed to do. What can you say that, you know, you took away the most from his coaching style and his coaching staff of speeding up that offense, making sure that you're running a ton of plays, constantly moving the ball? I mean, as an offensive lineman, it's, you know, I mean, you, you look at certain guys. I mean, as an offensive lineman, you're the big body guys. You're the ones in the trenches and whatnot. So, to you know, put your body in a position where you got to be a big body guy, a muscular guy. You got to push people. You got to knock them down. You got to block and protect. And at the same time, you got to be light on your feet and speedy. What was that like for you toward the end of your collegiate career to be in that type of offense? Right. Yeah. Uh, and it's actually uh, interesting that you bring it up because my uh, when I was at Riverside Community College, we pretty much ran the same offense. You know, and uh, you know, Coach Babers and my Riverside Community co- uh, College coach Tom Kraft—they're like, you know, they're really good friends. And I, I found that out when I had uh, you know exit interviews in the spring with Coach Babers, and I was just you know explaining to him like a lot of the plays—they're exactly the same. They just you know have different names. So once I found out, you know that you know Coach Babers, you know the up tempo, you know all the plays. It, uh, I personally like offenses better. I personally like it better that way, you know, just because, you know, what I was, I guess, used to and what I, what we had success in junior college. And, uh, you know, I know the effect it has on the defense, and on especially, you know, defensive linemen. So I felt that, you know, I would, uh, I would fit right in. You know, obviously I 
you know, three years. So it's, you know, only natural that it's going to take some time. So the, the spring was definitely, the spring was tough because it was a, a big adjustment. You know, a lot of us were working on our bodies, trying to, you know, lose weight and put good muscle on and learn the playbook, you know, as fast as we could and, like, learn, you know, how the, how it, you know, how the offense works and who's making the calls and who's, you know, relaying the calls to the offensive line. So it was definitely, uh, it was definitely uh, a little bit of a culture shock, but at the same time, I, I had experience with it, and uh, I definitely, that was one of the main reasons why, you know, I wanted to stay, and I felt that uh, his, uh, it's a good plan, and I think, you know, he had a good plan for us, you know, obviously, the season didn't turn out how we wanted it to, but uh, I felt like, you know, he, you know, I really enjoyed the offense. Babers in that season was able to help the team toward a win at home over Virginia Tech, who was ranked in the top 25 in the country, I believe top 15 at the time. And they were the team that moved on to face Clemson in the ACC championship game and were a few minutes away from potentially overtaking that game from Deshaun Watson and company. After that, he went on this past season and helped the team to have a plan to defeat Clemson, the reigning national champion, and did that. What can you say about Babers? Because when we look at the record, we know that you know for the two seasons he's been at Syracuse, he's been two and six in the ACC both years. He's been two and two in non-conference both years, four and eight overall both years. No postseason berth both years. Yet he has a win over Virginia Tech and a win over Clemson. So. What can you say about Dino Babers and where this team is heading, in your opinion? Do you see daylight? Do you see him being a potential savior to this program? Just what you take away from it. Yeah, I, I definitely, you know, I definitely see, you know, daylight in the program. I definitely feel like, you know, things are going to, you, know, you know, like I said, I've been, you know, when I when I was there in the year, you know, last season, I definitely still, you know, despite the, the records, I think, you know, things are going to turn around quick because, he just kind of he, he has a, a huge impact on the players' mindset and the way they approach things and approach games. You know, just out of you know the, the our, our meetings that he we ha- we ha- we um we have you know prior to games and you know practices. And I think that it, it really just you know it really just changes our, our old ways and kind of you know shocks us into the you know the way that he's uh, coaching. And um, you know, I think that you know. I guess, you know, I haven't, you know, with the previous staff, we didn't really have any signature wins like that. And then, you know, Coach Babers, Coach Babers comes and then, you know, you know, we have back-to-back, you know, big wins, you know, over top 25 teams. And, you know, I think that, you know, I mean, despite, you know, after like like Virginia Tech, we won. And then after that, you know, I believe, yeah, I guess we, yeah, we had lost the, the last, yeah, last four, four games and the same thing happened. I think, you know, it just came down, you know, some, some injuries, you know. I definitely don't think the team, you know, got complacent or anything. I think that it just came down to, you know, this, you know, just hard parts of the schedules. You know, we had some, some injuries and uh, it kind of just, you know, didn't, didn't, didn't go our way. But I definitely think that, you know, Coach Favors is uh, the right guy for the job and things are going to flip, you know. They have a pretty, uh, you know, reasonable schedule next year. It doesn't look anything like the last, you know, anything that I've, you know, been the last since I've been there. It looks pretty, uh, pretty, pretty doable. So I definitely think they could uh, go to a bowl, a bowl game, and 
team, but you know, things just didn't, you know, injuries happen, things happen, and uh, you know, but Coach Favors isn't the type of guy that's gonna, you know, just you know, he's gonna just keep pushing forward, and he's gonna definitely uh, make changes and make corrections, and uh, keep doing what he uh, what he knows to do, and things are gonna turn around. And I definitely, like I said, I definitely think that uh, he's the right guy for this job. This is a wake-up call, Fast Break. Gear up with the real deal at Dreisig Apparel. Creating what people are going to see and learn about you before they even meet you. Gear up for what you need for your team, business, or event. So look professional, look good, and feel good. Outfit yourself at DreisigApparel.com. That's D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G Apparel.com. The only place to gear up with the real deal. What's the universal language of a fan? Clapping your hands. With Fan Hands, the ultimate sports fan accessory, find your team color, slip them on, and start cheering on your favorite team with 11 different colors always in stock on FanHands.com, where you'll find the ultimate sports fan accessory. Real fans wear Fan Hands. Utica Pizza Company spells family, your family, my family, their family. The recipes that they have shared with each other throughout the years and have now been so gracious to share them with us. I can sit here and talk with you about all the great things that are on the menu. We'd be here forever. So let me say this. Utica Pizza Company is second to none. And now you can bring it home with you and you can dine in in the restaurant. UticaPizzaCompany.com will give you all the information that you need. And let me say, these Utica Greens... They're the best. Utica Pizza Company. Call them and place your order at 315-214-3060. That's 315-214-3060. Families break bread at Utica Pizza Company. And, you know, speaking of somebody that's there, before I let you go, Michael, Eric Dungy, the quarterback of the team, you know, we know that Dungy can run the ball. We know he can leap over people. We know he could do some pretty amazing and crazy things. Blocking for somebody like Eric Dungy, knowing that when you turn around, he is all over the place and might be trying to hurdle somebody on the way to the end zone. Just what you can say about Eric Dungy, his leadership, what he's meant to the team, and and what he meant to you, and, and blocking for him. Yeah, I mean, I think he's, you know, he's a tremendous athlete. You know, he's a you know he's a dog. You know, he's one of the toughest quarterbacks I've ever played with. You know, I mean. He's just, he's fearless, you know, he doesn't care, you know, he's going to talk trash to people, he doesn't care, you know, who, you know, who we're playing against, he's going to give it his all, you know, and it's fun, it's fun, you know, blocking, uh, you know, for a quarterback, like, cause he, he can make things happen, you know, if, if, you know, if offensive linemen, you know, were to, you know, lose the block, you know, it, it's not, you know, a done deal where it's a sack right away, you know, he, he's able to, you know, escape the pocket and make things happen, you know, make things uh, happen on the on the fly and just hurdling, whether it's hurdling people, diving for the first down, juking somebody. And, you know, I think he's, uh, you know, you know, I've been following, you know, I followed him last year. He's definitely, he's gotten better and better every year since, you know, since he's been at Syracuse. And I definitely think, you know, if he stays healthy this year, um, you know, he can definitely have a Heisman, being a Heisman candidate because that's just, you know, that's just the way I see him. And, I, you know, I think he's definitely uh, one of the, top quarterbacks in college football. 
there's a bunch of seniors on this year's team from wide receiver Ben Brickman to Cody Conway on the offensive line, Matt Keller, the long snapper, Ryan Guthrie, linebacker, Kyle Kleinberg, tight end, Tyrone Perkins, who has moved to DB from running back, Kylan Whitner, who is a linebacker, used to be a safety, Ravion Pierce, tight end, Dante Strickland at running back, Dungy at quarterback we just discussed, and then redshirt seniors Chris Slayton, the defensive lineman, Keaton Darney, uh, Aaron Roberts, both on the offensive line, Jamal Custis and Antoine Cordy. Custis, a wide receiver. Cordy moved from safety to wide receiver for his final season. What can you say about some of these guys? Because you got to know them in your time at Syracuse. And, you know, obviously guys like Cordy and and Roberts and, and Cody Conway and Dante Strickland and whatnot, just what you could say about your relationships with some of these gentlemen and, you know, their last hurrah for Syracuse, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, you know, me speaking on the offensive line first, you know, you know, Aaron Roberts, he's a, he's another one. He's a dog too. He's tough, you know, he's gonna compete every play, you know, he doesn't care who we're playing against, he's gonna, you know, do his job, talk trash. And, you know, same thing with, with you know, Cody Conway, we kind of uh like I was kinda of like a big brother to him. We would kinda of always just joke around, mess around with each other, you know, but I was I was always kinda of like a, a big brother to him and he uh He's, he's, he's been doing really, really good. You know, I definitely think he has a chance to, you know, play at the next level and, you know, have a good, you know, senior season. You know, same with, you know, Keaton Darney. Keaton Darney, I know he's, uh, you know, we're both California guys and we both, you know, had a good relationship, um, you know. And, you know, so, you know, got like Cordy. Cordy's another guy that, you know, I'm, I'm interested to see, you know, you know, if he's going to play both sides of the ball this year. Or, or what, you know, I'm really interested. But, uh, you know, Dante Strickland, he's gotten, you know, just better and better every year as a running back. You know, uh, you know Tyrone Perkins, he's definitely a bigger physical guy. So I think, you know, him playing on defense, defense side of the ball gives him a good opportunity. You know, um, Whitner, you know, he's always, you know, these are guys that, you know, I've seen them, you know, kind of just, you know, grow up over, the, over my time being there. And I definitely think that, uh, you know, they're going to have a good senior season, you know, a good senior campaign, and uh, definitely uh, contribute big to, you know, the team. Um, going to be important keys to the team's uh, success, you know, the whole senior class this year. That coming from Michael Lasker, Jr., Syracuse Orange alum on the football team and, and former offensive lineman. Michael, before I let you go, in, in closing here, I want to do something called Rapid Fire, which is a segment I've had on my show for a while. I'm going to throw a bunch of questions at you that may have to do with football, may have to do with something totally different. Are you ready to play? Yeah, absolutely. Favorite song of all time? <sighs> Favorite song of all time? All time, Trials and Tribulations by Ace Hood. If you could come out to any song on the field, would it be that song or is there another one? It would be probably Riot by uh, 2 Chains. If you could hang out with any rapper in the world for a day, who would it be and why? It would probably be uh, probably Tupac because I definitely uh, just like the way, you know, I love his style. I love, you know, just the way he carried himself. And, you know, he was, I feel like, you know, he would have really intellectual uh, conversations. So uh, it will be Tupac, definitely. Is Tupac still alive, in your opinion? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think he is. I think he is. 
Now, I agree with you. So what makes you believe that he, I mean, it's funny. People are like, what about Biggie? I'm like, no, 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 Biggie's dead. But in my opinion, Tupac is still alive. I just, it's been kind of my gut ever since he passed. What makes you believe he's still alive? Uh, I don't know. It kind of just been in my gut too. And it just kind of, you know, I don't know. Like I, I'm kind of a conspiracist. I watch a lot of stuff, you know, on YouTube and stuff. And I kind of just, I've, you know, heard voice clips and voiceovers that, you know, kind of, I mean, it could be fake. It could, you know, it could be real, but it kind of just, I just think I have a feeling and it was my, kind of my gut. I think he's still, a, still alive and he's just, he's hidden away on some private island that no one, no one knows about. What is the craziest con- craziest conspiracy theory that you believe in besides Tupac? Um, let's see, that's a tough one, because there's a lot of them out there. Uh, hmm. I definitely, definitely think that, uh, you know, some of these natural disasters are, uh, are planned by the government okay all right see i and i can i can understand that i can understand that favorite movie of all time favorite movie of all time uh probably let's say act of valor military movie all right fair enough if you joined the military today would you be, what would you be? Would you be in the Navy? Would you be in the Army? Would you be in the Air Force? Would you, and where would you put yourself? Special Ops, where would you be? I would probably be, uh, I would probably be, uh, uh, I would probably be Navy. I like being on the water. Okay. If you cheered for any team other than Syracuse, who would it be? Probably University of Oklahoma. That was my dream school. All right, University of Oklahoma. Does Trey Young, in your opinion, is he going to be a good pro? Uh, yeah, I think he'll be a, a good pro. Uh, I think that you know I'm a Lakers fan, so I think Lonzo Ball is going to be better than him, but I think he'll be a good pro. If you had an opportunity to spend a day with LeVar Ball, would you take it or would you run the other way? I mean, I would probably take it because, you know, we're both, I mean, we, I'm only like 20 minutes, I only live like 25, 20 minutes from, you know, Chino Hills, so I mean, I've, I've seen him and the family, you know, before personally in my life, so I never spoke to him, but I've, you know, I've seen him at tournaments, and, you know, in the area, so, but I would, I, would, I would definitely talk to him, you know, have some, you know, funny conversations. If you could only eat one food for the rest of your life, what food would it be and why? It would probably be lasagna. All right. Well, you're talking to an Italian Hispanic, so I'm good with that. You can go anywhere in the world. It's a three-part question. Where do you go? You could take one person that you know, and you could take one celebrity. Where do you go? Who do you take that you know? And what celebrity do you take? Um, where do we go? I would probably say. I'll probably say. Uh, Bora Bora. I'll probably take uh, one of my best friends, uh, Tyler Morona, with me. You know, we came in together. And uh, what, was the, what was the last part of that question? What celebrity would you take with you? Oh, what celebrity? Uh, probably Adam Sandler. All right, why Adam Sandler? Uh, just because he's hilarious and 
me and Tyler would always watch, you know, funny movies without Adam Adam Sandler. What is your favorite movie with Adam Sandler in it? Uh, probably Waterboy. Who does a better impression of Adam Sandler, you or Tyler Morona? It's close, but I'm gonna go. With, I'm gonna go with Tyler. Tyler Morona. Okay. All right. And two final questions. If you had a statement above your head, everywhere you walked, people could see the statement. What would it say? It would probably say. I would say, uh, proven wrong. You know, something my dad always, you know, instilled in me at, uh, from a young age. And, uh, I kind of always live by those words. So I'll probably have, uh, prove, prove them wrong. And finally for you, Michael Asker, before I take you off the hot seat, what do you carry with you about your dad? What, what from your dad do you take with you kind of in your backpack every day? Uh, I have his, uh, he worked for the, uh, you know, Department of Defense and he worked for, uh, he worked on an Air Force base for a while, but I keep his, uh, his cat card in my wallet with me all the time. All right. Fair enough. That coming from Michael Lasker Jr. And, and Michael, I'm going to let myself, since I asked you a bunch of questions today, I'm going to be fair. Fair is fair. So I put you on the hot seat before we wrap up this opportunity here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora for people to get to know you a little bit better. I'm going to let you throw me on the hot seat. So you can ask me a few. I'm going to give you five questions. You can ask me whatever you want. Okay. Okay. All right. Let's see. If you were to win the lottery, what would you, what would you do with the money? I would give, I would take money for my wife and I so that we never had to worry about anything. I'd pay off all of our debts. I'd put some money away and invest it. And then I would take the rest of the money and I would probably put it toward the best options, opportunities, doctors, and hospitals that we have in the world to help eradicate cancer because I'm sick and tired of hearing people have cancer and and having to speak with family members and loved ones of those that are dealing with it. So if I could do anything outside of take care of my wife and I, and our little dog, it would be to get rid of cancer. Absolutely. Very, 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 very important. Okay, so who's winning the uh, who's winning the NBA championship this year? The Toronto Raptors. Toronto Raptors. Perfect. I would rather that happen than uh, any other team. <laughs> okay, uh, will the Giants trade Odell Beckham Jr. this year? I think that the, the Giants have made a plethora of horrible decisions. And they had problems on their offensive line that they haven't fixed in two years. So they've been through a lot. There's been a lot that's going on. Now my guy Justin Pugh's on there, or has been on there, so it's no disrespect to him. I know he's gone through some injuries and whatnot, but there's been a a lot of hurting on on their line. They haven't had a good running game. They have no plan of a future quarterback unless it's going to be Davis Webb. Their defense needs help. So I could see them shedding Odell Beckham in another bad decision that they would make. But at the same time, Odell is also kind of a head case sometimes, it seems like. So I, I would I, <laughs> I would caution people on getting him, but I can see the Giants letting go of him. Yes, I do think it could happen. Okay. Sounds good. Okay, let's see. Two more. Okay. If you could, I guess, work with any uh, 
professional, it's a two-part question. If you could work, you know, I guess, you know, do, you know, play-by-play, you know, game, you know, game play-by-play for any team, what would it be, what team would it be and what sport? I would do play-by-play for the Toronto Raptors for basketball, or I would do play-by-play for the Jacksonville Jaguars in the NFL. If it was staying in my hometown, it would be a blessing to do a game with the Syracuse Orange for sure. That would be a lot of fun. Okay, perfect. All right. And final question. What will... What will be the record of the Syracuse football team next year? Oh, boy. What will be the record of the Syracuse football team this coming year? All right, feet to the fire. If I had to look at it, I'm going to go I'm gonna go to my website. So everybody should do this. Go to wakeupcalldt.com, Q's tab, and click on Syracuse football. You'll get all your info there. And Syracuse, so let's go down the line. They're playing at Western Michigan. That's going to be against Tim Lester, the old offensive coordinator. Then they have Wagner, Florida State, UConn, hmm, at Clemson, at Pitt, North Carolina, NC State, Wake at Wake Forest, Louisville, Notre Dame at Yankee Stadium, and at Boston College. I'm going to say Syracuse will get to, in Babers' third season, they'll be at least 6-6, six and six, and they will get to Babers' first bowl game. So I'm going to give them at least 6-6. Six and six. Fair enough. That coming from Michael Lasker. He put me on the hot seat. You did a good job, Michael. You had those questions ready and 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 ready to go, ready and raring to go. So I'm gonna give you some credit there. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a little bit of applause here on my side. I'm gonna I'm gonna show you some love here right now because those are some good questions. I appreciate that. Okay, yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, definitely was thinking of a few when you were asking me some. <laughs> <laughs> well, that coming from Michael Lasker Jr. and Michael, very happy to have you here on this extended special inside a wake-up call, and I look forward to the opportunity of, of having you back. So if you'd like to come on the show and talk about sports and, and life and what's going on, I'd be happy to have you back. Yeah, thank you. No problem. Uh, like I said, thanks for having me, and uh, you know, go Orange. All right, man, I appreciate it. God bless and everything you're doing, and I'll talk with you soon. All right, same to you. Same to you. God bless. This is a wake-up call, Fast Break. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is located on 3680 Milton Avenue in the Home Depot Plaza. It is your family-friendly sports bar and restaurant. Folks, some sports bars aren't family-friendly. Some family-friendly restaurants are not sports bars. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is proud to be both. It is that marriage that you've been looking for for years. The Wildcat Sports Pub is your home base for your sports bar and restaurant needs, games for the kids, indoor and outdoor activities, and enough things on the menu to come back every single week and get to try something new. They're open Sundays from noon to 8 p.m., Monday through Wednesday, 11 a.m. to 11 p.m., and Thursday through Saturday from 11 a.m. to midnight. For reservations and party information, call 315-487-2222 for the Wildcat family-friendly sports pub and restaurant. Hi. 
This is Kira from Looking Glass Events, where we're always giving you a reason to celebrate. Whether you have a small business, large business, personal event, or wedding, we are available to plan and coordinate your dream event to life. Every detail, every step, Looking Glass Events is working with you all the way. Call us at 315-702-4653. That's 315-702-4653. Or contact us through our website, lgweddingsandevents.com. Looking Glass Events giving you a reason to celebrate. The Penn & Trophy Center on 111 East Willow Street in Syracuse, New York, has been making memories for Central New York for over 60 years. It has the trophies for your teams, and when you walk in there, it's so much more than just that. When you walk into the Penn & Trophy Center, you are immersed in the reality that anything can be customized, anything can be engraved, whether it's for your anniversary, your wedding, your bar mitzvah, your birthday party, whatever you want to do with that memory, that watch from grandpa, or that bracelet from mom, or that wedding ring that's been passed down through your family. If you want to get something engraved with a memory to last a lifetime, the Penn & Trophy Center, 111 East Willow Street in Syracuse, New York, where memories are made and where memories last a lifetime. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on wakeupcalldt.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on mixlr.com backslash wakeupcalldt.com. DT, I want to thank Trevor Cooney for significant sound bites, sound bites giving us a call from Spain today. Out in Spain, playing basketball, keeping his professional basketball dreams alive and well and ever-growing, and I appreciate that very much. Trevor Cooney getting in touch with Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora from Spain today. Outside of that, I want to give some love and appreciation and thank you to Michael Lasker Jr. as well and to Michael Lasker for your dad in heaven. Michael watching over you and loving you up like crazy. God bless to you and to your family and, and God bless to your dad. I, I hope he's enjoying heaven. I know he is. So and I and I know that he will continue to do that. So and look after you. So thank you to Michael Lasker Jr. Thank you to Trevor Cooney. Thank you to Carvel DeWitt for the Annoying Moment of the Week. Please know that the Annoying Moment of the Week is all in good fun. It's meant to be informative, and it's meant to have a good time, and it's a place for me to go off respectfully and, you know, have, like I said, have some fun with you all. Carvel DeWitt is all about fun, all about happiness and smiles. Don't let the cold weather fool you. When it's snowing in April, the Carvel flavor doesn't change. It's always amazing, it's always great, and it's always there for you on 4322 East Genesee Street in DeWitt, New York. It is what happy tastes like, and it's the exclusive home of the Wake Up Call Sunday chocolate vanilla or twist topped off with cookie dough pieces and caramel swirl that is the wake-up call sunday and it is exclusive to 4322 east genesee street in dewitt new york the home of the longest standing carvel franchise in the nation carvel dewitt god bless y'all have a great weekend i'll talk with you soon tgif baby have some fun enjoy your wrestlemania and we will have plenty for you coming up this coming week can't wait for it. Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time is how you're going to hear a wake-up call every week, including this coming week, on MixLR.com backslash DT. Go to WakeUpCallDT.com for the MixLR feed. You can click follow from there and become a member for free, which I implore you to do so, because every time we go live, you'll get an email, and you can just click on your email to listen, and because you can chat with me in the live chat room. On WakeUpCallDT.com, dt.com you also find special pages and links over 20 pages the right now page has over 
500 articles written by yours truly to you, and you can check those out. And you can also see the RSS feed, listen into that, listen into the iTunes podcast and the app powered by Podbean, as well as the last 10 shows. You can see all the companies I'm proud to work with and click on their logos to get more information on each of them in central and upstate New York. And you can get quick links at the bottom of the page to Syracuse football, basketball, the Jacksonville Jaguars, and so much more. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for being a part of the show. Find us on Facebook at WakeUpCallDT, Twitter at CallDT, and Instagram at WakeUpCall underscore DT. Last thing I got for you, buy your tickets now to the CNY Pop Festival. You do not want to waste a moment on this. Get your tickets now while supplies last. The May the 4th Be With You special event promo. Every ticket of those that you buy gets you an adult ticket that you pay for and a free child's ticket. So get your May the 4th Be With You promo, free children's ticket with every adult ticket. So make sure you do that now on cnypopfestival.com. And you can also get information on cnypopfestival.com on becoming a vendor and so much more. So we have a bunch of vendors already signed up. We have some title partners we'll be announcing this weekend. And we are overly ecstatic about the guests that we have come in, almost 20 guests so far. Very excited, very happy, very appreciative. So buy your tickets because I made this event for you folks. So whether you live in central New York, upstate New York, or you're going to be traveling in from out of town on Sunday, August 12th, 2018, and an event will hit Syracuse unlike any event that has ever been here before. We are here for a new era, change, something different, something exciting, new, and innovative. Syracuse, New York, you're about to get a party that you've never experienced, and I can't wait to share it with you. But only if you buy your tickets now, cnypopfestival.com. Click on Buy Your Tickets, and Eventbrite will hook you up from there. God bless you. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I'll talk with you on Monday morning.